Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch The Going Live Show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um the public defender that was her uh main gimmick on the uh show that was the main character she played and she did that quite a few times and if you saw the um hood exorcist sketch uh she played the mother in the sketch like i played the uh the priest that was trying to you know get the demon out of her son in the sketch uh she played the mom and i played the priest going the power of christ compels you like that was me well sadly this past Christmas Eve, uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show. Now, the good news is she is not hurt physically. The bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well. And she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm going to do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop, but I can't let this situation situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of WrestleMania 39, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, the two-night major event. Uh, For this part right here, we're going to be doing night one, then we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back with night two. So we're going to have those separated out. But we are here right now for night one. Ladies and gentlemen, I am excited to bring here to the Boochcast. First, we have He's Been Woken. Yep. He's Been Broken. Yep. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Boochcast, the one, the only, the broke soul is ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up? Do that's Yes, it's me, the broke soul is ginger, Zach Scott. Gene speaking, I'm not that broke. La- uh, gentlemen, I am proud to say, courtesy of Keenan and Kale. Oh, here we go. Yep. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we have, to my left, making it a return to the Boochcast. He's left for quite some time, moved on to uh, bigger and better things. And, um, ladies and gentlemen, he's back for WrestleMania. Ladies and gentlemen, singer-songwriter, Mr. Desmond Dagenhart. Hey, everybody. I don't have a big intro. (laughs) Fair enough. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, 
Joining us again, you may remember him from yesterday when we did NXT Stand and Deliver. Well, he is here to deliver for WrestleMania as well. Please welcome Mr. Derek Showtime. Derek, welcome back to the show. I'm back. How we doing, world? The world is doing great. The world is going crazy because night one definitely set the bar very, very high, which sometimes there's always that mixture. Is night one going to be good or bad? Then what's going to happen with night two? I remember the last time night one was a banger, night two not so much. So I'm a little nervous for night two, I'm not going to lie. But hopefully both of them are good because they'll be a first. Because it's rare that both nights of WrestleMania are good. Usually one's good and one sucks. The card looks phenomenal. The card does look phenomenal. Oh, it does. It, on paper, it should be great, but we'll see. So we're going to kick this off, ladies and gentlemen, with our first official match of the evening. A lot of people were shocked this opened the show, but you shouldn't have been because they announced it on Twitter way in advance. For the WWE United States Championship, Austin Theory defends the title against John Cena. Well, 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 um, I can honestly say WWE 4 ATL struck gold once again with this student's Getting his shot on the grandest stage of them all. And actually, to my surprise, he took a page out of Mike Tyson's playbook. Yes. For those who do not know what I'm referring to, I'm referring to the two bouts with Evander, Real Deal, Holyfield. But more importantly, the bite fight that was done in 1997 where he was revoked of his license and fought security and biting Evander Holyfield's ear, I believe it was approximately three times? I believe so, yes, before he's finally disqualified. So for Austin Theory to go to those lengths to get John frustrated and to kind of play rope up a little bit, I was surprised. He should be renamed Austin Iron Mike Tyson Theory, but I digress. I like this match right here. It was it was it was a great opening match. John Cena still looks old. You can still see the ball spot on the back of his head, which I was pulling up earlier today by somebody. I don't know who, but continue. Not really, I mean, me neither. Uh, it, it was great. Uh, him biting the hand. I was like, like, cover kind of And somebody said Mike Tyson. I was like, hey, that looked familiar here. And then uh, Austin being a sneaky little shithead heel, low blow, hits his finisher. One, two, three. Which rightfully so. I knew Austin Theory was going to win. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed the opening bout. And John Cena still gets overset, but I still say it. John Cena sucks. John Cena sucks. Anyway, that's my thought. Look, I picked Theory to win for the competition because the smart money was on him. But I still say Cena should have won and come back for three to six months. A little run on it. Because of the fact that he's developing a losing streak, which means him coming back means less and less every time. Yeah. Um, That is the big issue here. For Cena to come back to really put someone over, he's going to need to build some more credibility again. Because it looks like he went off to Hollywood and lost his touch. Is basically how they're booking it. Exactly, because the last time he wrestled was, was prior to the tag match with Kevin Owens was the one-on-one match with Roman where he lost. So really, it's like, and again, we're all for you know putting people over, but you got to have some wins under your belt before you put somebody over that you want to be the guy. And John Cena is at that level where he needs to do that. There are some legends that can come back, take a bunch of losses, and it's like okay. But when you have somebody like John Cena who's at an elite level 
regardless of how you feel about him, he's at an elite level. With him, it's kind of like a different story. Like, with me, I felt like Cena's whole thing was looking at Austin Theory like, you don't have it in your brain, you don't have it in your heart, you don't have it between the knees. He's basically telling him, you're not ready. And I felt like leading up to this match, Theory didn't do enough to show that he was ready. I felt like it was Theory's responsibility, basically, to build this up after John ripped him apart, and I don't feel like Theory did a good job. I don't. I feel like he coasted. I, I agree, uh, Vinny, with you. Um, to be honest, I still don't understand how he got his push so quickly coming from NXT and joining Johnny and the way. And then out of the blue, he just becomes Vince's personal lackey, so to speak. Yeah. And getting ripped apart by Roman and, and just got slaughtered by Brock. I, I'm still not seeing it. And then the whole deal with Bobby and his feud with him and Seth, calling him a little kid. Yeah, I mean, he were a little kid, bro. Yeah, and he was getting frustrated about it, but he got more angry over someone calling him a kid than his childhood hero telling him, you ain't got it. I think that should hurt you and make you more angry when the guy you look up to and say is your hero is telling you you ain't shit. That should strike you more than Seth Rollins calling you a kid. Like, I just thought that was ridiculous. And But I will say, as far as psychology match goes, Cena told the story throughout. Because he's saying, you're not ready. You ain't on my level. That's why every time he's doing wrestling moves to him, he's flipping back his hair. He's kind of being all brash and arrogant, which you haven't seen John do since he was a heel. Way back with the Thugonomics. And if you remember correctly, at WrestleMania 22, Triple H kind of did something similar to John in that main event. There were yeah. times where Triple H out-wrestled him, and he was kind of like, you know, toying with him. Like, letting him know, like... You ain't in my league, kid. But the difference is they had a big fight back and forth before Cena got his win. And Cena had shown prowess going into the match. That's why I feel like Austin Theory, in my opinion, should have fired up more. I get that his gimmick is kind of like a calm, cool, collect. But there's a fine line between being calm, cool, and collect and not firing up when needed. And I felt like Theory didn't do enough build-up-wise to earn the win. But... Still a great match, and hopefully Theory does something with it. I'm interested to see what Theory's going to do going forward, but I don't feel like this was the time. Agreed. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. I'm going to have some shocking things to say about this. Then again, I think we all will. We had the Men's WrestleMania Showcase Fatal 4-Way Tag Match with the Street Profits versus Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raiders. So I kind of saw this in spots. I didn't get to sit and watch the full match, but I will go all start from entrance to ring gear to storytelling. And um, the Viking Raiders are very, very good entrance, very good ring gear, power with being a Viking. Street Profits, their first run on this main stage, a lot of swag. First time we've seen a lot of swag in WrestleMania for a long time. Alpha Academy, Chad Gable stole the show to me with simply lifting Braun Strowman like he was nothing. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. saw that. I remember that. I was watching like, no. I was like, like I never like, oh my God. We haven't seen this since like Cesaro or even John Cena. And people like, God, I'm on again. Jesus. He was an Olympian. Yeah, a, a 2012 U.S. Olympian. Uh, so, yeah, he and uh, Otis have a uh, Olympic bond that drew them to WWE. So, yeah. 
I actually enjoyed this match because you want to know why? Why? The Street Profits actually fucking won a goddamn match for the first time <laughs> in a la, 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 long time. They've been fucked over so many times. Oh, God, so, yes. But it was great. It was a huge ass spot fest. But, gentlemen, how can I say this in the correct way? It was an enjoyable spot fest. Until, unfortunately, we saw something that we're not supposed to see. And, Vinny, you probably understand what I'm about to say. Go ahead. Braun Strowman doing the spot monkey move off the top rope. I'm surprised the belt, the, the belt thing didn't break how messily <laughs> huge a human being is. Yeah, and normally that is something I would go after, but because he did it once and because it's WrestleMania, it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, that's not something he needs to do every week, though. No. That, that It's a WrestleMania. It's a one-time spot. It's great. Do not make that a regular in your arsenal. Because then, that's when it becomes a problem. At least that's how I feel. Yeah, if a big guy is going to use a, a flying move, it needs to be a finishing move or a one-off. If he used it, if he decided, you know what? Everybody see me do the power slam. I want to add a splash to it. Nobody would complain because he's a big dude. That splash is going to end a match. Yes. That would be the only exception to him. If he was going to add it to his arsenal, it would have to be a new finish. Okay. Uh, match itself was great. Uh... That fucking Tower of Doom. Oh, God. yeah, I about the Tower of Doom. <laughs> that was spot of the... Spot oh, that was of the awesome, because he did the fucking right for once. Yeah. I want to see somebody like Braun Strowman go to do the Power of Doom on his own, like get both get two guys up over here and pick them both up, carry them halfway across the ring, and then slam them down. Oh, my God, if he did that. Mark Henry had to forfeit World's Strongest Man to him. <laughs> I, oh, I don't know about that now. Oh, that's a form of living you're talking about there now. Oh, Mark Henry still holds records. I'm just saying, that'd be a run for his money if he did that tower. Mark Henry had to come back and outdo that, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, uh, he a little bit too old for that now, man. <laughs> mm. yeah. that, that bit, look, them, them, them knees, ankles, and beard start talking to me. Nah, bro, sit on down, enjoy, enjoy retirement, and be a stagehand. Yeah, no, 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 don't don't do that. Yeah, I think he's an a, he's an AEW coach, which yeah, uh, I I won't get into that, but oh, <laughs> we have time for that. Yeah. But um, this is one of those matches where I'm like, I honestly thought this was gonna be a bathroom break, and uh. I'm glad I didn't go to the bathroom. I was like, you know what? I'm glad I held this in. I am like, this was not a bathroom break at all, and that to me is what makes a match memorable and exciting. When you look at it on paper, you go, this is supposed to bore the crap out of us. And it doesn't. It's like they all went out there with the intent of no one's going to the bathroom. No one's going to get nachos. No one's going to buy a t-shirt. We want everybody to stay right here. Here's what they did. Every member there in that match decided, we're going to be match of the night. Fuck all the big name matches. And they tried to put it on that way. They tried. And they did okay. They, they didn't succeed in that, but they did their absolute best. For something like that, really, that would have been a hard one to succeed in. Yes. I'm saying, this is a match that was not designed to be, you know, a match you stick around for. And the people who stuck around made the right decision. The people who didn't are kicking themselves. Oh, yeah. Kicking themselves right in between the kickster. Oh, yeah. Because this was a hell of a great match. And, of course, the Street Profits won, which I had... We, most of us had Ricochet and Braun Strowman for this one. Steven had the Street Profits. Uh, Desmond had the Viking Raiders. I went out on a limb. It was one of those... I, I was fairly certain Ricochet and Braun were going to win. Yeah. But I wanted the Viking Raiders to win so badly. Yes. I love that gimmick of theirs. Well, that, that, the way that they wrestle, they're two powerhouses that can also move. 
Yes. And the, their moves are actually innovative for tag team moves. They're smooth. They've got a gr- and the gimmick itself is awesome, and they just keep getting screwed over by creative. To me, it's like you say you say the street problems have been screwed over, but they've been booked a whole fuck ton better than the Viking Raiders. That I'm worried too. Well, there is one caveat, fellas, that uh, is actually being neglected and negated uh, in mentioning the Street Profits. They are the only team from that match to be Grand Slam champions. That is true. I think it's because they've they've won both the Raw and SmackDown belts and the other teams haven't. That doesn't mean anything. No, and and, and, and NXT as well. People might. NXT, right. They were NXT. Uh, Yeah, I I forgot about that. See, I didn't care about what they had won in the past. I was looking at what they were trying to push now. Right now, it looks like they're trying to push Strowman and Ricochet. Yeah. But, like I said, I I, I feel like like the Viking Raiders have earned a better spot than they're being given. All right. No, I, I can agree with I, like I said, they're they're a great team. I take nothing away from them. Let's see if they get an opportunity if they can get over. Because I know the Street Profits, they're over. Oh that, yeah, that is a given. The street Profits didn't need to win. Hey, yes I don't, no. I don't blame yes it no. though. They were, the Street Profits taking a loss here would not have hurt their popularity. True, that is true. So I agree with that. But they, as far as you know, as long as they didn't take the pin, yes. I can see that. As long as they didn't take the pin, I would I, that I would agree to. Honestly, I would have uh, I would have had Alpha Academy take the pin and Viking Raiders win because they needed to win the most. Yeah, and that I, way it doesn't hurt the other teams. Right. And you know, Alpha Academy, like I said, Chad Gable, and another thing about Alpha Academy is they're so goofy and annoying. You forget how good they are until the bell rings. Mm-hmm. Like you forget. Like, we're going to forget this in a week because we're going to see Chad Gable backstage randomly going, shoosh, please. And we're like, get off the freaking screen. Then he's going to have a match. He's going to do all that Olympic shit. We're going to go, oh, that's right. He is good. Like, yeah, he, they are our modern day team angle. Yeah. I, people get, I remember when him and Jason George were a tag team and they were hoping to get Kurt Angle in there and revamp team angle. And unfortunately, uh, Jason had a neck injury and unfortunately it ended his in-ring career. Yeah. And he's got to do... Um, Creative, so well, he's yeah. A producer backstage. He was a producer for one of these matches here tonight, but we'll get to what that is in a minute. Because even though this match was not match of the night, this match right here very well could have been. Well, you guys give your thoughts on this, but what was potentially the match of the night was right here. We have Seth freaking Rollins versus Logan Paul. Well, I now this is one match that I did not get uh, an opportunity to see. In the moment, but uh, by just you know being on Twitter, you know saw some of the entrance, saw some of the uh, the ring attires and what have you, and one particular uh, person who interfered in in the match, who uh, surprisingly wants to have a match down the road with one Bobby Lashley, yes. and um, I gotta say. Apparently, Logan Paul decided to study the tape of Anaheim, California, March 31st, 1996, and give us Shawn Michael entrance modern-day showmanship. Yes. And Seth Rollins, I understand you were the king of drip, but um, I don't think WWE is going to get a sponsorship from Pepto-Bismol, my brother. (laughs) I'm afraid not. 
I don't think so. And I definitely don't think they're going to have you follow Jason Tatum as Magic Mike trying to be Mr. Chippendales. Mm, nah, that ain't, that ain't going to work for him. That ain't going to work for him. Nah, nah, nah. So, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see the match, but I will definitely take a look into it on the replay. So, fellas, have at it. I like Logan Paul's in-ring thing, but there's one fucking problem. Mm -hmm. He's a gimmick-stealing motherfucker. Stealing <laughs> <laughs> gimmicks. Stealing gimmicks. It's not like this mutual coach. Never done. No, you motherfucker. But otherwise than that, holy fucking shit. These two gentlemen went off the fucking roof. It was brilliant. Yes, who is this gentleman? As a matter of fact, I, let me rephrase that. I find out he's a boxer. Well, he, well, here's the thing. KSI, um, he's he's a YouTuber. Okay. He's from England. Uh, he's uh -huh. also a rapper. He's a boxer. Um, he he founded a YouTube group, a British YouTube group known as the Sidemen, and him and KSI, uh, are the founders of Prime Energy. So, so oh, yeah, that energy drink that's. That's trying to make it come, okay. Trying to uh, take the reins of monster and rip and yes. noise. Yes, he's also done some boxing matches. Him and Logan Paul had two boxing matches. Um, the first one was like a you was just a fight on YouTube. They they were in a, a boxing ring, but it was like not like a mate. It was it wasn't deemed like a legit bout by the boxing commission. It was just them kind of boxing each other. But the second fight they had was professional on pay-per-view because they knew they would make tons of money off of it like the boxing like the boxing companies would and they did and it was, so it was legit like pay-per-view main event fight with undercard bouts underneath it like there were literally um you know actual boxers that got on that show just so they can get the exposure like to have but so ksi definitely has a big follower he's a youtuber and him and logan paul have done crazy stuff together so uh but anyway, that's KSI. So, Zach, do you have any other thoughts you want to share? Uh, otherwise, uh, uh, otherwise, after that, it was awesome. There was psychology in it. It was brutal. It was brilliant. I enjoyed the living shit out of this. Go ahead. Des? I've said it several times in the past, and I'll say it again. Logan Paul has earned his spot in WWE. Every time he gets in the ring, he is a consummate professional. He is on point. Everything is smooth. He, he, he clearly listens to the people he's wrestling with. It does every, so the only thing that was here weird to me is I did not expect him to take two losses in a row. Neither did I. That was the, uh, I, I feel like the, if they want him to keep coming in looking good, he needs a few win, more wins under his belt. Yes. Um, but at the same time with how this match went, him taking this loss was not that big of a deal. It was it was very well done. He put on a hell of a fight, and the storytelling was phenomenal. The spots were phenomenal. Everything was timed right. A one train. Yes, and what I loved about it was the fact that, like we said, every spot mattered. Like at one point, Logan Paul throws Seth over the top rope to remind him of the Royal Rumble, get inside his head, play the mind games. Then at one point, when Seth gets the upper hand, he just throws Logan Paul over the top rope. That's kind of like his redemption right there. 
Let's go, bitch. Like, all that. Or bye-bye, bitch. Bye-bye, bitch. Because that's the thing that Seth Rollins first said to him when he wanted the face-to-face. Then when Logan knocked him out, he said, bye-bye, bitch, and dropped the mic. So that's why when I put the results out, one of the hashtags I put was bye-bye, bitch. Because it played off of that. But, again, and this is something that we all say every single time. And this happens in every match. Logan flips over the rope. Hits a buckshot lariat, and we all say the same thing. Better than Hangman Page. It's, it is sad that Logan Paul does a smoother, better buckshot lariat than the guy who's defined it as his finisher. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen. Ouch. It is, man. Ouch. It's better than the Hangman's. And also, here's another part that was believable, was when we find out KSI is in the prime bottle, and... Seth, and they're like holding him down and Logan's going up top and he's doing the selfie, like getting the viral moment. But then Seth quickly switches out KSI. If you look real closely at Logan Paul and we also, you see in the replay, he looks up to the, he looks up to the heavens and then does the frog splash. Yeah. So while he's looking up, they're making the switch. So by the time he jumps, he doesn't realize so he's in midair. Oh shit. That's KSI and goes to the table. So it's not like he was setting up and he can clearly see the switch and then jumped anyway. It was, I looked up, I'm going for the jump. Oh shit, boom. Believability. And that's something I always preach with every match. Let me believe in what I see. I know this is a work, but... Suspension of belief. But here's the thing. I don't want to suspend my disbelief. I want you to make me. Make me suspend my disbelief. And that's exactly what both these men did. It's what Logan Paul does every time. And of course, the question still remains. How many more bangers does he have to put out before he stops being an outsider? Speaking of which, um, before we jump to the other matches, you know, he is a free agent now. That explains why Seth got the win. His contract expired last night, literally after the match. And uh, Triple H was asked, is he capable of resigning with WWE? And Triple H responded in in kind with, Logan has my number. All he got to do is call. We'll deal. And And I can say, I actually got to see him in person. Logan Paul. Yeah. Last summer in Nashville for SummerSlam. Yes. Oh, God, he can go. Yeah. He he ain't taking he ain't taking it for granted. He ain't taking it lightly. If you don't like somebody like that coming in and doing his thing and soon to be could, could, could potentially have a championship on his belt under his belt, wake up. And that's the thing about celebrities. Now, obviously, fans have their opinions on celebrities getting the ring of celebrities doing everything. Wrestlers, all wrestlers. Now the now like the people who were real old school back in the day they frowned upon it period because they didn't yes. want anybody smartened up to it. But then as they got to the eighties and the nineties and everything else, the key thing nowadays that wrestlers ask if a celebrity wants to make an appearance, wants to get in the ring, wants to work a match, they're fine with it. And in some cases, even if they got a job as a celebrity, if it's done in the right way, they'll do it. There's well, only yeah. one request that wrestlers have. They ask of one thing, respect what we do. That's all they ask. Understand that we take this seriously. This is our livelihood. This is how we feed our families. It's how we support ourselves. It's what we do. Respect it. If you respect it, we will let you in. 
If you don't respect it, get the hell out, or we're going to stretch you the second we get in that ring. We ain't going to well, put yeah. you in the hospital, but we will rough you up if you disrespect what we do. No question. This is nothing new for us wrestling fans. This has been going on since 1985 at WrestleMania 1. With Mr. T. Uh, again in WrestleMania 2. Yeah. And then it didn't, it didn't go down again until 1995. WrestleMania eleven. Yeah. Former football player. Exactly. So I mean, if you come in, like you said, if you come in and you actually work and actually put in the training and stuff and you know, do your thing, they'll respect you. The the main organization who was great with this, WCW was great with this. Yes. Steve Mungo, Michael, uh, Kevin Green, Reggie White, they did extremely well for none wrestlers who come from the football world. And then you had Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman from the basketball world doing the exact same thing a, year, yes. a couple years later. And they took it seriously. In fact, Dennis Rodman took it so seriously, he skipped practice while they were in the championship to go through Nitro and attack Dallas and Carl with the chairs. Yes. DDP mentioned that in an interview and they confirmed it on the last dance. Absolutely. Rodman skipped practice. Now he got fined, but they didn't kick him out of the game. Oh no. And the question people always asked was, they they asked the coach in an interview, why did you put up with all of Rodman's shenanigans and bullshit and everything? And he gave one answer. He delivered on the court. It never Mm. affected his game. There you go. If it affected his game, he'd have been fired. Yeah, exactly. Fired for the shit that he did, but because he was he delivered on the court and they won championships, and Michael could depend on him. It's like I'll find you, but I'm not going. I ain't getting rid of him. Fact. But I, I, I'm definitely going to find him a lot of money to remind him I'm still in charge of this team. Absolutely. So, but yeah, so celebrities have always been welcome. I mean, not always welcome, but recently they're welcome as long as they respect the business. And Logan Paul respects the business. So yep. that's why he's in the spot that he's in. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got ourselves a six-woman tag match. We have Trish Stratus, Lita, and Becky Lynch versus Damage Control. My, oh my, it felt like uh, we were going back in time, as Corey Grace eloquently put it. We, I thought we were in, in the attitude, uh, ruthless aggression era again. It's been a long time since we saw those two together in the square circle. And they still got it. Trish still got it. Lita got it back. Oh, so, I... Vinny, you know what this match could have needed? What? More cowbell. <laughs> wait, wait, you needed what? Zach, what'd you say? It needs more what? Needs more cowbell! <laughs> Otherwise, man, okay. it's okay. It was it was good, though. Uh, Trish and Lena did good, okay. Becky did okay. I was like, it was just a filler. It was just there. I enjoyed it, though. But what, it was for the tag team belts. That would have been different. Yeah. So then I got to see two of the ladies that I really enjoyed. And I'll have to say this. Gentlemen, Trish Stratus still looks good to this day. Oh, How the hell did she do it? I am so proud. It's called Botox. <laughs> is oh well well it ain't just Botox y'all it's yoga it's diet it's water yeah the I Botox mean, is for the face because she can look good with the body but still have oh, the yeah, yeah, she had to get Botox the, the only thing need to be fixed is the face because when you get older you can still have a rocking body but the old man old lady face yeah that that's how, that's how you know somebody's old you gotta look at the face I remember one of Barney's one rules you can you can tell a woman's age by her elbows right. <laughs> Uh, but no, no. Uh, yeah, this is the first match since Lita has returned where I didn't feel like she was just terrible. When Lita came back, I was super excited. Then I watched the match. Uh, and God, it was rough. It was. 
she seems like she's finally getting knocking that ring rust off because for a while there if you look up ring rust in the dictionary you'd see a picture of Lita. Rough man. Uh, oh yeah. But this match this was more on point. This was not a match of the night candidate. Right not there. even close. Not even close. But it wasn't a terrible match. There was not a bad match on the card. No, there wasn't. Like I said, it was the match wasn't bad. It was just there. Like, but of course, you know, there were some moments like um like Trish with the her Karana thing like off off the top and everything. So some of her spots were really good. Eo Sky doing the moonsault. I, did, I can't remember if Lita tried to nail one or nailed one. She did hit a moonsault. She, she did hit moonsault. She did nail one. And she did nail that. And uh, I do remember uh, Trish getting a chick kick. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Lita yeah. landed a moonsault. And then Lynch did the manhandle slam off the top rope for the win, which I thought was a perfect combo finish. Yeah. And I was surprised because I honestly thought that Damage Control was going to win this because I was hearing rumors and it may still happen, just not at Mania, that there's rumors of Trish turning heel. Yes, um, that was confirmed by uh, Wrestling News on Twitter um, and a couple of other uh, NoDQ.com, I believe, on Twitter as well. They're possibly planning a Trish heel turn and she might go against Lita. Who knows? We might get that rivalry one more time. But let me ask y'all, now that she's returned, do we get the proper send-off for Lita? There are only two people that she's worked with that have solidified her career. Do we get that reunion and that proper send-off? Well, I look at it like this. When Lita has a women's tag belt, I honestly thought that she was ever going to win that. I felt her and Trish were more compatible as a tag champs rather than her and Becky. Because, you know, it, as far as I'm concerned, Trish and Lita have been like a team for many years. They've been opponents for many years. It would have made more sense if Lita was going to be a tag champ to be with Trish. And I think that could cause the heel turn. But I know the rumor is Trish is supposed to face Becky at SummerSlam. They want to uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that, that match. Um, now, as far as Lita goes, Lita's already faced Becky. I'm trying to think who Lita would face... I'm looking at that card. Who could well, she be stepping in the ring with? Well, I, 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 she hasn't had a women's championship match in a while. I say dance with uh, Rhea or dance with whoever comes out of the uh, Bianca Oscar championship oh. match tonight. We'll see. Uh, obviously, that's an option. Like I said, I would be intrigued to see who would go for what, like, and how they would go. If Lita could get one more run with the title, as long as they have a plan, yeah, on who they wanted to drop it to. But here's the key thing: if Lita's gonna drop the women's title to anybody, it needs to be whatever woman you want to push in the top spot. Again, this is another. This is kind of like a Cena-esque situation because that's kind of the level where Lita's at, where she can't job to just anybody. It's got to be somebody you want to push or is a legit star in the women's division. If you ain't got that star power, don't deserve a win over Lita or Trish for that matter, you know? So I would say find out who, and, and be realistic about it, who in that women's division can we consider to be a top star and let them get whatever victory over Lita and Trish and use the other women to get wins under their belts before that top star wipes them out. That way we don't get a situation where they're jobbing every week on TV or every time they show up like Cena's doing. True. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. Oh, this is exciting. The match we've all, a lot of people have been waiting for. It's not the only match we've been waiting for, but it's here. The second ever father-son match in WrestleMania history. Rey Mysterio, one-on-one against Dominic Mysterio. Oh, okay. Uh, something I did not know. This is the second? The first was Vince and Shane at WrestleMania 17. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's been, it's been 22 years. My God, where's my mind been? Oh, 
I mean, and Vince and Shane, they really set the bar. I just didn't think they, I didn't think they were going to use two pillar companies that were in a ratings war to go about telling that story. I knew they were continuing that story from the previous WrestleMania and the previous two years with um, the whole corporation thing. But uh, this particular father and son match, um, it is Palm Sunday, folks, and then Easter is next week. So let us go to church, if you will. This was a Cain and Abel type of thing. And um, my, oh my, the sins of the son got banished by the father. I actually enjoyed it very much. Uh, Dom was cheered, the promo with Dom was cheered, did it was awesome. But otherwise, you know, these two uh, uh, father son matches was actually very enjoyable. My favorite thing when uh, Ray Machine took out his belt and started whipping his ass with the belt. Yes. <laughs> that was a good spot right there. Dominic Machine doing the Machismo. And uh, what I liked about it is how uh, Ray Mysterio's entrance was probably one of the best ones of the night. So Absolutely you know, agree. Type of songs and came out to his main theme song and everything else. So, yeah. I- California Swag at his best. Snoop Dogg low riding. Eddie getting his shine even though he's no longer with us. It's been 18 years and God, we miss you, my man. We really miss you. But boy, what an interest that was. Dominic being a convict, yo, that was an interest in itself. Definitely out, shout out, uh, came out of the shadows a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely trying to do the whole, like, he's done hard time and trying to work around that. Uh, the match, I was worried about this match uh, because I've, I've said repeatedly that Don is growing, but this match right here was one of those, it was a make or break situation for him. And I think he delivered. Once again, this was not match of the night, but... It kept you entertained, it told a story, and it did show that Dominic can stand on his own, which is something that was really necessary. The only thing that really shocked me, I really thought that Dominic was gonna come out with the Eddie Guerrero music. I thought he was gonna pull that shit because he'd been talking about wanting Eddie to be his dad. To me, I enjoyed the match. It more than lived up to the hype. Um, It was great. I thought the entrances were interesting. Apparently, there was some controversy surrounding Dominic's entrance. Yeah, I saw saw that. Uh, It looks like they used a clip from Auschwitz instead of a regular prison. Yeah. I did not see that. This was during when they were doing the, on the pre-show, and they were trying to hype up because they're doing the whole thing about prison Dom. Dominic's whole thing is he went to jail for one day, so now he's wearing a purple bandana and acting all, like, hard, like, I've served hard time. They asked him in an interview where he was out of character, and they asked him um, where he came up with the idea to do that. And guess, and you know where he got the inspiration? The Office. I'm curious. Steve Carell in The Office, uh, his character, when he he had to go to jail for something like minor or stupid. Uh, If you go back and watch it, he had a purple bandana on, walking into the office and acting like he had just served a serious hard time because Steve Carell's character was he's a little stupid. He exaggerates everything. So he exaggerated like he was serving a hard time. It's like, dude, you was literally in jail for like a couple hours. You were out on bail. So he just comes in like serving hard time. So that's where he got the idea for that character. So, but yeah, apparently they used footage of the Auschwitz concentration camp when showing prison stuff. And I guess nobody thought they would catch that, but they edited it pretty fast when they found out, oh shit. That wasn't the prison. That's not a prison. Oh crap. WWE has not said anything public about it yet, but it's all over the internet. So don't know no one mentioned it at the press conference either. So It's very possible if they put that image on there not realizing what it was. I, I think that is it. It's been like, oh, we legitimately thought that that was just a prison picture. 
and then realized it was Auschwitz and went, yeah, my bad, my bad. That was on me. <laughs> Maybe like R-Truth comes out and goes, yeah, I'm not allowed to edit for the WWE no more. This was on me. This was on me. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. And then just watch the back. The R-Truth would do that. Come on. <laughs> Just a little comedic thing, like Happy Hanukkah, my apologies, and run back. We haven't we? We're not gonna get letters. We'll be fine. So anyway, Gator's not on this one. Yeah, Gator's not on this one. So we're good. <laughs> All right. He would have took this to a whole. If Gator was on here, I wouldn't have even brought this up. I know better. <laughs> I know better. But anyway, overall, like I said, the match was fantastic. And of course, Dominic takes a page out of MJF's playbook. Um, he dumps the drink in um, Aaliyah's face. And of course, there are some people out there. They're gonna ask me this question because if you saw the recap of AW Revolution, you know I ripped MJF apart for that one. Because I'm like, okay, look, I'm all for being a heel. I'm all for getting your heat. But you don't do that to a random kid in the crowd. I understand if it's a plant. But if you're just doing that randomly and off the cuff, nah. You don't do that to a kid. So why would I condone this? Simple. It's his sister. And clearly that was a planned spot. That's one thing. If you're doing a planned spot with somebody, I get that. But if you're just throwing random... And, and, and the difference is that was actual water that was in her face. That was a mom who was drinking to, who was drinking alcohol, took a sip, and dumped it on the kid. Oh. That's messed up. Like, he dumped it on the kid, and no, you don't do that, first of all. Like, Tony Khan had to do serious damage control until the kid backstage, let him meet Powerhouse Hobbs as his favorite wrestler, and showered him with merchandise, and here's free tickets to Dynamite. Tony Khan had to do fucking damage control to make sure he didn't get sued. Now, I, I admit now, for, like I said, for some people who are very, this being Easter week, coming up and all very biblical this whole storyline had that kind of feel to it yeah I mean it supposed to honor your mother and your father the Ten Commandments so to speak and Dominic is breaking all the commandments for God's sake oh yeah I mean Lord you're supposed to honor your mother and father yes you're telling him to shut up man look here some said um, yes. on yeah some said on uh, on comments on Twitter and Instagram with some postings after that match. Oh, he got he got a black card feeling last night. Oh, and yeah. if you don't know what I'm saying, if you're not in the black community and you, you haven't gotten raised by a family member that had to bust your ass for getting stupid, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> well, I wasn't raised in a black family, but I've had my dad bust my ass for being stupid many a time. So he, he wasn't afraid to do that. I tell you what, that is not, that is not a black thing. <laughs> I don't care what nobody tries to tell you. That's not a black thing. That is a pole thing. The pole thing. We were raised in pole communities. We got our asses beat. Maliciously. <laughs> and now we're getting letters. <laughs> now I wonder where, 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 where do, where do we go with from here? Do we get a, a Survivor Series LWO? WWE version versus uh, Judgment Day. Do we get that now? I mean, if they want to drag it out that long, because keep in mind, Survivor Series is in November, but I could see it maybe going there if they drag this out a little longer, because that is something that was interesting. Rey Mysterio reformed the LWO. And he willingly did it. Yes. Don't know, for those who may not know, in WCW... Those of you who did not play the last game video game. Yes. <laughs> yes, for those who did not play the last game, the LWO is basically the Latino World Order, which consisted of all the the luchadors and Mexican wrestlers in, in WCW. And they kind of had their own faction. It was put together. Rey Mysterio was part of it. I believe it was until World War III 98 was when he left the team. 
Yeah, he was um, he was in it unwillingly and he got jumped out. Well, what happened was he was friends with Kidman and he helped Kidman regain the Cruiserweight title. I can't remember who Kidman was wrestling that night, but Eddie Guerrero basically yelled at him, that's it. You need to make a choice right now. Either you're in or you're out. And then he said, think about this, Ray. And Ray just took his shirt off, threw it in Eddie's face and then rolled out of the ring and retreated because he knew the LWO was about to beat him. And they chased him out of the building. Rey Mysterio reformed the LWO with Legado del Fantasma. So, and I think, here's the thing, that would be perfect. In fact, they're probably going to book that match for Backlash since it's going to be in Puerto Rico. You know what? I totally, I would totally book that, right? I totally agree. Book it right now. You have your eight-person uh, match. Now, unfortunately, you're missing one key, one key, one key ingredient here. Now, if you do do that, and I'm sure y'all would agree with me with this, Judgment Day ain't the same without a manager. Yeah, well, that's gonna be intriguing because I mean, it's true they're not the same without a manager, but even in an eight-man tag, they can stick. It's it's still the same thing. They can still have interference and everything else. It's just that it'll be legal because everybody's on a team. Everybody's involved in the match. What's going to be weird is one of the members of Legado del Fantasma, unless Ray decides not to get involved in this match, one of the members of Legado del Fantasma would have to sit out because Zelina Vega would have to go in to match up with Rhea Ripley. True, and that's what I mean. And maybe, maybe we get Ray at something that he's never done before, be a manager? Something that could be it. Ray could be the manager and Legado gets in the ring. Yeah, that's where I'm going with that because I'm looking at it like now that Edge is dishing himself from Judgment Day. It is his creation. Where do you go with Judgment Day? They don't have a manager. They don't have a mouthpiece. They don't have their Bobby Heenan or their Paul Heyman. Well, they don't need one because they can all cut promos. Um, Finn Balor has shown he's good on the mic. Rhea Ripley's definitely good on the mic. Uh, Damian Priest is decent. Dominic has come into his own as a heel. Like, yeah. he's gotten phenomenally better, significantly better. Um, so, he's clearly shown that he could do that. They don't really need a manager, because the whole purpose, really, of a manager is for... The manager usually designed for wrestlers who can't talk, can't cut a promo, but have every other quality you're looking for in a main event player. So you give them a mouthpiece, let the manager talk, and the guy just stand there. And But then over time, that's why it's always awkward to see a manager with a wrestler who can talk, because then you're just basically standing there. Like, that's why it was awkward. Somehow CM Punk and Paul Heyman made it work, but Punk could already talk, so why was Paul really there? Um, He's with Roman Reigns, but Roman definitely comes into his own, but I think it's because the reason that works is because Roman's good as long as he doesn't have to do a long form promo let Paul do the majority of the talking and then Roman say everything he needs to say yeah because Roman is a great promo now well he's he's doing exactly what he needs to and not anything more exactly that was the thing when he they first started put, uh, having him cut promos they wanted him to cut a long standing promo and that's just not him yeah it doesn't make sense it doesn't yeah, fit him and yeah and so once he started cutting it down and saying only what he needed to <laughs> It became a phenomenal call pro. Yes. So the Judgment Day, I think, doesn't need a manager. And if the LWO got Rey Mysterio as their manager in their corner, it wouldn't affect the match at all too bad because 
Babyface managers primarily don't interfere. They're there to cheer on the team and everything. And they're also meant there to keep everything fair. Like if you have a manager and the bad guy has a manager, if the, if the heel manager has to interfere, the babyface manager is there to go, hey, you to jump on off there, we gonna fight. Exactly. So the, the heel gets up there, the babyface goes, hey, little man, before this turns into something violent, you may need to jump down off that apron. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they either jump down off that apron or the babyface trips him up and there's a fight. So even if Ray's out there at ringside, he ain't gonna interfere so it doesn't give them a disadvantage. Because think about it. It took him this long to even punch his son. That's, that's the biblical part of it. He, I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to fight my family. I'm supposed to defend my family. Yes. And what made it work was Ray had to defend his family because it's like, yo, not only did you just disrespect your mother, you disrespected my wife. Not only are you disrespecting your sister, you are disrespecting my daughter. Now I got to cut you, metaphorically. So that's what happened. And Ray even said in the press conference, Dominic could have did whatever he wanted to me and there would have never been a fight. But now I had to defend them. And if, if, if it comes down to it, if I got to put put him in his place again, it'll happen. One thing I liked and I didn't like was uh, Damian Priest and Finn Balor coming out there. Damian Priest, yes, but does Finn Balor have one of his biggest matches of his career going as a demon going against Edge and Hell in a Cell? Yeah, even Rhea didn't come out, and that's Mommy. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. They were doing their thing, and all of a sudden, LaGama found out some LWO and uh, come out there and save the day. But otherwise, that what I loved about this guy is how Dominic went from the sweet, loving kid to a, hey, I don't like the gimmick he's doing because he's lying, bugs me. Oh my God, a heel is lying. The son of Eddie is lying. Good, I enjoyed yeah. it highly. It was, it was, it was like Dominic. He's he, he definitely coming to his own, and he comes out to his own music, to his own outfit, uh, like somebody. <clears throat> Paul Flair. Yeah. Anyways, I thought was that the night. Go ahead, Benny. Sure, sure, man. Well, uh, interesting you brought that up because. We are now moving on to the next match of the evening. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, we got for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair defends the title against Rhea Ripley. Woo! Well, well, well. The Queen, I don't know if this was a just do moment for Rhea or if it was a testing of the water and she could swim now moment for Rhea. I think I was confused during the pandemic three years ago. You don't see too many top star people challenging for NXT championships on the grand stage. You don't see that that often. And then for Rhea to be as dominant as she was, she followed Oscar as a dominant NXT women's champion. To see her lose the way that she did and Charlotte say, I put her in her place. I don't know if that meant she had to work harder or if this was a pecking order type thing like now you got to put some work in like Austin Theory with John Cena. I didn't know where that was going. But last night, I think Rhea, she passed her test is what I think happened last night. Charlotte made it more challenging and Rhea was up to the challenge. This right here was, I, I hate Charlotte Flair, but in this match, she actually stepped up because she was going against Rhea Revy. These two fine ladies, I, I understand this, uh, tore the roof off the house for one. Did they not this? Did you enjoy it? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they, 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 like, this like high quality match. Right? Yeah, it's actually good. I mean, Charlotte Flair did her part. She put her shit in. She did. She made maybe like she got every spot and Rhea uh, did it too. I mean, man, these ladies, oh, these ladies beat the shit out of each other. And I did. It wasn't a match of the night, but I'll be mean, like, I don't like Charlotte Flair. She yeah, she did her job. A okay on it. Well, I've said for years now that Charlotte was pushed too fast, too hard, but she has definitely grown and become 
really fucking good in the ring. I still can't stand the sound of her mouth. She's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> but, um, Ouch. but I love seeing her in the ring. She is good at what she does. And uh, this particular match was beautiful. And the storytelling was awesome. At the very end, uh, when, when Rhea's holding that belt up high, they have a shot of, of Charlotte down there just looking exhausted. She's kind of like nodding. All right, all right. And then she's smiling. <laughs> and like, that's it. That's what you needed to fucking do. Really? Not a... And you just rose above it. Yeah. I'm thinking this is her, you know, okay. I lost against Oscar at a WrestleMania high-profile match. I lost against Becky and Ronda in a high-profile match. I wasn't included in the Bianca and Sasha main event. Is she getting pushed to her, okay, your time's about to wind down. I know you're still, you're, you are our class of women's division, but yeah, you you should be thinking about winding down yourself. Well, I think she is because I'm hearing rumors that she's planning on entering. I don't know if she's leaving WWE, but she might be taking another break. She is. She wants to do bodybuilding right now. Like, she, uh, she's going to follow. She's going to, from what, those, I don't know exactly those plans, but if those are the true plans, then, fellas, from what I did read earlier this morning is that she's going to take a break. She's going to take some time away from the ring like she did SummerSlam a couple years, a year, a couple years ago. And she has stated that she is wanting her husband to be back with WWE uh, and in their future. That's gonna be a hard sell, but all right. I mean, she was she he was there for the uh, Hall of Fame on Friday night, so. Oh yes. Well, they're allowed to bring their spouses and stuff to Hall of Fame. So it's one thing to be a guest at WWE. There's some there are some people that that hang out backstage. They say, hell, in the height of the Wednesday Night Wars, Britt Baker would sit in the crowd at NXT takeovers to see Adam Cole compete. They just yep. put her on camera, and because a Triple H, they don't promote AEW people anyway, but they also knew that if they put her on camera, she would get in trouble with her boss, and they were being respectful of that. So, and because Adam Cole was so well respected in NXT, he could bring his wife to shows. So that's a totally separate issue. But just because. Andrade got to go with his wife to the Hall of Fame don't mean they want to resign him. Don't get that twisted. It's, mm. it's a whole separate thing. It's like, that's that's that. It's one thing to bring family to a show. It's another thing to want to re-sign somebody because first of all, they're going to want to know, is there value in bringing back Andrade? I say no. Um, is, are you going to, is, is he going to put on, are you, you know, is he going to draw money? Again, answer's no. Um, I, so if they did bring him back, it's simply because he's Charlotte's husband because there's no value in Andrade. Not in WWE and there wasn't an AEW either. See, I like Andrade. I just don't think that they push him properly. Like they started to an AEW, but AEW's terrible about long-term story. Having him leading a faction, he is a great like vanish mob boss. Well, you, I believe you had you had it. Um, Legato del Fantasma originally, if I'm not mistaken, didn't it have Andrade? No, and Santos? No, it was Santos Escobar. It was the two guys that were with him, Wild and Mendoza, and then the original woman was Electra Lopez. Oh yeah, but yeah. But then yeah. when they called them up, they kept Electra in NXT. Even though they wrote her out of the story, because originally they were working with uh, the Don, they were all working for Tony D. Yeah, Electra yeah. Lopez was still somewhat, not completely, but still working for the Don. But then they had her turn on the Don, go back with Legato, but then Legato lost and had to leave NXT. So they were all going to go leave. But then they brought Electra Lopez back and put Selena Vega with them. So I'm thinking. 
you weren't going to call up Electra, why have her leave the Don? Because that was working very well. So they made a they made a stupid move there. Um, but no, Andrade was never part of that. Andrade had Zelina as his manager. Then then they got called up to the main roster. Nothing happened there. Then he went to AEW and the rest was history. But um, but yeah, so I'm saying if, if he came back, it would simply because Charlotte tries to get him back and um, whatever Charlotte wants, Charlotte gets. So well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know she's daddy's little girl, oh, part two. No. Oh to say she is daddy's little girl is to say the Atlantic Ocean is damp. But she's daddy's little girl <laughs> in the fucking ring. I'll give what Des does say. She does very well in the ring. She goes on top rope, but she's a six foot tall blonde. Yes, she's a flare, but I don't so like her gimmick. She can't be sure. But significant to the doubt, she's pretty kick ass in the ring. Does she uh, deserve all the championships she has? Yeah. But do I respect her as a worker? Yes. Have I ever heard anything bad about her in the locker room? Benny, have you? Well, a few times. I know her and Becky have had some... Oh, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Well, you, you just asked me a question. I'm giving okay. you an answer. So, basically... No, so I'm like, she's not her father. Well, there's a temptation. She's uh, there's a, all I know is there's a lot of women who left WWE and went to AEW, and the fact that Charlotte gets the insane push she gets was a major factor in women leaving because they felt we have no future because you're burying us under Ric Flair's daughter. Yeah, and, but here's the thing. Once again, that comes down to creative. Charlotte is not creative. She isn't, and that's the same thing people said about John Cena. Nobody's saying she's back there backstage politicking. She's being pushed because of what she is, sure. But she also has the talent in ring. She's just terrible on the mic. I don't yes. understand. The, the mic thing is the only thing. It's bad. How are you Ric Flair's daughter and you're that bad on the mic? I think the problem I mean, is... Well... Exactly. That's and that's the other problem I have. It's like with uh, Roman Reigns, all right? When Roman Reigns was trying to be something he wasn't, he was terrible on the mic. Exactly. I think if they let her just be her, not be oh, Ric yeah. Flair's daughter, but just be her. Yeah. She might not be so bad. May, and maybe that did will come. And in fact, here's the thing. Now, obviously, I don't have much to say about the match because I invoked the elite rule and sat out of it. But I'm going to say something right now. I know it's going to spark debate. Not a lot of people are going to like what I'm about to say right now. Uh-oh. But damn it, this should have been the main event. Really? I feel like this should have closed the oh, whole damn show. No, no, no. Well, I, I, I understand why it didn't. I, yeah, there's a, to an extent, yeah. Cause, and Charlotte actually talked about this and made a compelling case. She was asked in an interview and she actually made a, a compelling case. Because everybody talked about the, the fact that the tag team title match that did close the show was going to potentially close the show. And she said, well, a lot of people want to see this because this story was a year in the making. She goes, well, our story is three years in the making. It was. And also, she talked about how, you know, you know, usually and one, of, one of the main traditions, and it's been this way since 1993, except for a few years where things got ridiculous. They always had, like, you know, the ch- there was the champion and the winner of the Rumble. And Charlotte's like, well, it's, om- it's almost, and she said almost because she offset her bets because of a few years where it didn't happen. But for the most part, that was the main event. She felt like, well, why can't the women have that same guarantee? Which I agree with because here's why I feel this way. Because part of the the Royal Rumble that made it exciting to watch because if you just want to see a bunch of, if you want to see 30 guys just throw each other over the top rope for no reason when it's saying high spots, you can watch AEW. That happens all the time. If you want to see legends make random appearances and not do much and basically just be there to bump for the young guys, again, watch AEW, TNA too. You can see it plenty over there. So the thing that made the Royal Rumble like the first stop on the road to WrestleMania and made it the match you wanted to see was because, okay, the winner of this match, what's going to be that? Because everybody wants to see WrestleMania. What's going to be the headliner? What's going to be the big match? What's going to be on the marquee and everybody see and everybody knew? Whoever 
won that Royal Rumble, they're going to WrestleMania. And then you have the champion, whoever it was going to be, because the champion defended his title all the way through. And with the exception of a few changes, for the most part, the Royal Rumble winner had a comfy seat to WrestleMania, but still had to do the work to build the match. So that was the key thing. And that's what made it great. And that's why I wanted to see, you know, like, you know, hey, now that you have two nights, because I'll be at WrestleMania 35, they had to make a choice. And they well, went with the women because it, uh, Ronda Rousey. That's well, I... Let me finish there. I'll let you talk, Derek. Just let me finish this real quick. Okay. So, going to that point, that's what made it interesting. So now, Triple H is trying to cover this up by saying, well, we want to do it with the most impactful story. So if that's the case, if that's going to be the new precedent going forward, one of two things needs to happen. Either A, you make your Royal Rumble and your champion revolve around your impactful story to make it the main event like they've done with Austin and The Rock on a few occasions. Like, Austin and The Rock was the big money maker. So what did we do? We had Austin win the Rumble. We had Rock be the champion. Go to WrestleMania 15 and 17. Austin and The Rock went to 19. Didn't main event that year. Why? Because Kurt was the champion. Brock was in the Rumble. So, again, they made they made the Royal Rumble and the championship the big part of WrestleMania and the big selling point of the Royal Rumble. So if you either have it revolve around that story or, and again, here's controversy, do away with the Rumble altogether because it's meaningless without that main event. See, I still disagree with you because, honestly, being the last on the card at Mania is not, is not as big of a thing as winning the goddamn title. And that's the way I look at it. I don't care what who I don't I, I I don't care what how you you choose to push it. The main event should be the most compelling story. Period. The uh, the uh, because that's the the most compelling story is going to sell more seats than a fucking title. Then I say have the title on the rumble revolve around your big story. And I and I say that that's not that's not always going to work. I'm sorry. The fact that the fact that you uh, that you have a royal rumble that determines who's winning the winning who gets the opportunity at the championship that automatically kills the fact that it's supposed to be the big story. Immediately. Yeah, because the title's supposed to be the most important no, thing. No, 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 no. The title is supposed to be what they're fighting for, but it's not always good. The title does not always make for a good story. The best stories are emotional, and you don't need a title to make an emotional story. I think the title for the people who don't currently have that emotion set up. Unless, you know, because you've got people who are definitely absolutely top tier talent, and you put that title on them, and it elevates the, you know, talent wise. But the emotional story, it comes from the talking, not from the wrestling. Never thought I'd hear those words come out of your mouth. No, I'm impressed. I never thought I'd hear you say that in a billion years. I love watching great matches. I love watching great matches, okay? That's why you have people like, look, I'm going to say it. Kurt Angle could not cut a promo half the time. He did on occasion cut a really good funny one, but it felt like nothing that he did made me believe what he was saying for the vast majority of the time. It was a bad... Well, when he was a babyface, he had good ones. I think when he was a heel... He went the more goofy route because he was a bad guy. Yeah, he was, but when he was a babyface, he he was a great promo right. as a babyface. So what I'm saying, but, but it was like saying he was, but he was by far one of the best workers in the ring. Period. Bar none. I don't care who he tries. Uh, I mean, he he will go toe to toe with anybody and be considered in his heyday one of the best workers of all time. Yeah. Uh, and the point of the matter is, though, you didn't get good good stories from his promos. That's just not what happened. You didn't get it from him. For him, it was all about the in ring work. So, so if you want to continue making him look good and not have a Dolph Ziggler situation, you put a title on him. Kurt Angle's still over him without it. Right. He, That's he the was. thing. But he, he also did other things like he would put he would put his gold medal on all that stupid shit. Well, yeah. Well, he did that when he had that open challenge, yeah. which I'm surprised he did. He actually told a story one time where he 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 stopped bringing his real gold medal to matches and he wore fake ones to the ring. Yeah. Because he used to wear his real one, but then it got it got stolen. Luckily, he found it because someone stole his bag and he was dog and he walked around like, "Who has my fucking gold medal? I'm gonna kill you, mother!" He started losing his mind. This fan found his bag, brought it back to him, and Kurt was just so enraged he just ripped the bag out of the kid's hand. <laughs> 
and the kid just, and the kid, and it, Kurt didn't calm down until the kid looked at him and said, hey, someone could have ran off with this. You're lucky I found it and gave it back to you. And Kurt finally, like, snapped out of it because he was so mad. And he went, you're right. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. And he thanked the kid and... I don't know if he tipped him or not, but he did. He did thank him. It, like, snapped him out of it. But on that note, we're going to move on to a surprise we had. As we all know, we see The Miz and Snoop Dogg in the ring after the match. They're trying to hype the crowd up a little bit more, have people cool down because it was a major show-stealing match. And, of course, Snoop told Miz, the only thing would be better would be if The Miz had a match tonight. And Miz is like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, you need to have a match tonight, man. He goes, well, you know, I went all over social media, and I sent out an open challenge to anybody. Nobody spoke up. Nobody said anything. All of a sudden, you hear... Let's go! And out comes freaking Pat McAfee. Pat fucking McAfee. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. Oh my god. Pat McAfee was like, holy shit, it was. Oh yeah. And again, Michael Cole, not knowing anything about it, and I'll bet he didn't, because he legit didn't know the first time. Uh, Corey Graves is losing his mind. Oh Oh, god. He he bitches about McAfee more than I bitch about Charlotte. (laughs) But it's insane. So Pat comes out to accept Miz's challenge. Miz tries to back out of the match. Like, I'm not dressed. I'm not competing. I'm not doing all this. I can't make it official. I can't make it official. I don't have the authority. Then they do the tiny balls chant. And Snoop Dogg's like, well, you can't make it official, but I know I can. Let's get a referee out here. And Miz is looking at him. He goes, he goes, hey, I don't even bomb this. I rap. This ain't, this is all you, homie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was funny. Uncle Snoop having the comedy moment. Hey. Yeah. And then we have Pat McAfee versus The Miz. Man, Pat, you, sir, are another gem of the night. If your appearance was the yes moment and Logan Paul's appearance and match was great as well, man, we need more Pat. Plain and simple. We need more Pat. I thought this was funny as shit. Vanny got what he wanted. He got to see two things. Pat back free returned. You want hell of a promo. And poor Miz get the shit kicked out of him. A round of applause for Pat McAfee, please, gentlemen. When did Zach become Cockney? I don't know. It just pops in and out. I, th- I think it's because he's high. It was great to see him back. I love watching Pat McAfee get stuff. And Matt, I love seeing him win with the punt. It's just a lot of fun. It was a cool little cool down sec- middle middle section. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we weren't expecting to see Pat Mac- McAfee back. Uh, he's got a, a really fucking busy schedule doing his other shit. Yeah. And I, I wish he would come back. To be, you know, to uh, take over the announcer booth, but it is what it is. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to see him back. He says he plans to come back, just that the thing was he had the, the ESPN uh, segment he was doing for football, and he knew he couldn't juggle both, so he took the time off to do that because it was a big opportunity. But also, he, I think his, he had, either he's about to be or he's already born. He had the birth of a son. I think his son's being born. So he's kind of been being there for his wife, you know, and kind of taking a paternity kind of thing. That paternity leave stuff that we we have today. The, 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 the rich people have. The rich people have, yes. <laughs> oh. I will say I did enjoy the match, not just because the Miz got his ass kicked. That's always a plus for me. But I was waiting for Pat to come to WrestleMania. And it's not just because he's a great commentator. And not here's how great of a commentator he is. Not only is he incredibly entertaining, he brings out the best in Michael Cole. Oh man. Because Michael yeah. Cole's always been great. But this is brought out. I think Michael Cole's one of the people that he's been with the company so many years that he goes to work the way we all kind of go to work you know you just you're doing your job you're going through the most you're not realizing like if you have a great job and you do it like every day for years eventually job that's great to everyone else becomes routine for you and I feel like Michael Cole was going through the routine still doing a great job but not really as excited I think Pat McAfee brought that excitement he brought back Attitude Era Cole that's how I feel 
He brought back even Ruthless Aggression. Yeah, I was about to see that. The Michael Cole, who did one of the best calls ever when Eddie Guerrero won the championship at No Way Out. He brought that Michael Cole back, and you felt it ever since Pac came back. You feel it in all the promos. Hell, the Ray Dominic match was just as exciting because of Cole, and the fact that he is reminding everybody what an absolute piece of human garbage Dominic is for what he did to his father. The anger and the rage that Cole feels is great, and it makes the match more exciting. Now, obviously, I'll get back now to the Pat McAfee match that I love so much. And what I love most about it is not only does he have those great moments, but again, he's one of those guys, when he gets in the ring, magic. Like, he's had maybe one, maybe one mistake in the whole time. I think, I think there was a match with Baron Corbin where he kind of botched a little. But I, you, you didn't even catch it until Pat brought it up on his show because most guys, like, critique themselves sometimes and be like, yeah. And he said that his problem was when he trained for the match, he didn't take into account how hot it is in the summer in Nashville. So... He didn't take that into account and got tired quickly because of the heat. So he now knows in the future if he ever trains for something like that again, crank the heat up in whatever room he's training in. Or maybe do some sauna stuff or get used to the heat. So he kind of didn't take that into account. So there were maybe one or two mistakes in the Baron Corbin match. But outside of that, he always puts on a great match. And the match wasn't long, didn't need to be. And even though Pat McAfee can do a long match, it wasn't necessary. This this is basically there for Pat to have a WrestleMania moment because and have the fans see Pat McAfee because they love the way he works. And it also gave the fans a chance to cool down between the women's match and the match we're about to get to. So, and of course, George Kittle from the 49ers. Yes, he can go. If he wants to leave the NFL and jump on board, he can go. Wow, yeah. you need another spear? He is a football player, so that's what they do. Exactly. Is he a good football player? Like, I, I have no clue who the fuck. Uh, yes. He's oh yeah, he he is top three uh, tight end uh, in the NFL behind Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very stupid. What does the tight end do again? Is that offense or defense? I can I, I know some of the names. Of- Okay, that is your offensive weapon that blocks and catches along with your running back and receiver. Thank you. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I know the receiver and everybody else is the tight end. I know. Go ahead. Make fun. I never. Yeah, you got a tight end. Yes, we know. Ah, funny, funny. Fuck you, but good birthday. (laughs) You walked right into that one, Ross. You walked into that. You walked into that one. On that note, we're going to move on here to the main event of the evening. We have the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. The Usos defend the gold against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Oh, man. Um, banger, roller coaster. Um, I am sad to see the 600-plus day reign of the Tag Team Championship in with the Usos. I am so sad. But could we, and I'm going to ask this question, there there was a teaser on Twitter that I saw from The Rock, could we see a revamped bloodline, possibly with Rikishi returning? on screen and the rock with the usos i don't know know if that would happen um i highly highly doubt it i don't know if rikishi would come back and i don't know the rock they're already having a hard time getting the rock to come back but they're trying to get him the rock's the busiest man he kind of teased a little bit something he kind of teased a little bit of something like yeah i'm gonna come back for the head of the table yes like the rock would come back yeah for roman reigns if the story is right yes if the story makes sense and he's got it in his schedule um Oh, I absolutely love this right here. 
For our first second that we seriously thought the first five minutes of the match, they're already going to lose that. Too. I know a lot of people complain a lot of too many finishers. These had, man, this was edge of your seat. And this is the time at our friend's house, a lot of people were, were asleep and were trying not to wake them up and everything else. And these four gentlemen right here beat the shit out of each other. There's one thing I have to say that I got sick of from the Usos, and I love them with all my heart and everything else. Even though they're six, over 600 day championship reign was complete fucking bullshit, but enough of the super kicks, brothers. These didn't have that. Maybe Kevin Owens maybe did about, did about one or two, but otherwise than that, three Aluba kicks led it by a fellow ginger, even though I'm not Canadian, I understand where you're from, there, see what I'm saying? A fellow ginger and Kevin Owens are the new, undisputed, united by whatever it's called now, tag team chambers, and rightfully fucking so. Thank you, wrestling gods. Yes. The rain has come to an end. Rest in peace, Demusos. Rest in peace. Yes, uh, top Notch tag team wrestling. It's that simple, y'all. We haven't seen a simple tag team match that was that high quality in a long fucking time. Uh, I was really shocked to not see Solo anywhere. I was begging for Solo, my man. I was like, where is he? Are we really going to let this frame in? No wise man, no Solo. No, you're on your own. And I'm surprised at that. I was very surprised at that. That has not been their MO. Like, I want to know how they how 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 they think that that makes sense all of a sudden. There was no there was no ex explanation for it either. It just like have a back scene segment where Roman stops and says, "Y'all get this shit done." Right. They just they just went out there and did it. Did anybody catch? Did anyone catch? Possibly, and I I don't know if the live feed had it, but if you caught it on Twitter, there was a moment where um after while while in the ring, Usos get out of the ring and everyone gives them a standing ovation, and Sammy they went and hugged Sammy's wife for the for the effort that they put on in that match. Oh, they definitely did not show that on the live stream. Nah, that came that must have came from a fan cam that had a really good camera angle. Um, as a lot. As the uh, production feed ended and the and some camera fans started rolling, they caught that little tidbit. And I think I'm wondering, and maybe y'all can answer this: Where do the Usos go from here? Neither have had a uh, single. Gonna happen? Are we gonna like it? Let's see. That's I don't know. I think what needs to happen: the Usos need to step away from the tag division for a minute. Uh, I think what we need to see, or or they can work together for now, but it's time for the bloodline to turn on Roman Reigns. Sammy's calling for it. It's time for them to understand that Roman has been making a fool of them. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to have Roman say talk some more shit about them and them losing their title. And it's going to make them snap and realize that Sammy's been right all along. And I think that it, what's going to end up happening, and this is obviously just my prediction, uh, Cody and Roman are going to be going at it. And when he starts getting to the point where he's about to lose, the Usos are going to come out and look like they're going to affect Cody. And then they just nod to Cody and walk away. Similar to similar to Kofi Mania, you think? Uh, more similar to uh, to what happened with uh, Adam Page and uh, and Kenny Omega in AEW. Yeah, mm. Bucks, when the Bucks nodded their heads before Adam hit the Buckshot Lariat and, and uh, beat Kenny for the title. Mm. So that is, that is a possibility that if they do that, that could happen. Then I'm gonna laugh my ass off as crazy you guys. <laughs> no, it's a good idea. 
And this, I will say, like I said, aside from the super kick party, one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. This delivered. Yeah, damn, like, how many times did our mouth drop? The false finishes were epic. And again, it's false finishes done right in wrestling. Because almost every time you thought this was going to end, it didn't. We thought the one and done was going to be it. We saw combo moves that we thought was going to be it. Even with the multiple super kicks, you thought... These guys are dead, they're done, Kevin's through the table, and they kicked out, and here's the thing, at no point did the crowd get bored. You couldn't, I don't believe, I don't think you could, bro. I mean, no, you'd be surprised. There are, there are some wrestlers that you they, they can bore a crowd quickly if they don't know what they're doing. All these guys knew exactly what they were doing, and the right team went over because it was time. The Usos had nowhere to go with these belts. Exactly. You Once you've beaten everybody on the roster and you're just reshuffling the deck every week, it gets ridiculous. That's why long-term title reigns can be good, but... When you have a small when you have a small number of credible contenders, it's not ideal. Right. So like like Roman should have lost it. There's so many times Roman should have lost that belt before it got to this point. So many times. So many people could have taken this from him. So like I said, this was a hellacious tag team match. As you see, longest match of the night, and rightfully so. So it it delivered. And Yes. Yeah. The whole card delivered. The closest thing we had was the six woman tag match was just boring, but even that didn't suck. It did. It was just there. It was just filtered. Yeah. Like I said, it it wasn't a bad match. It was just boring, but everything else delivered. So the question is, is night two going to deliver or is it going to shit the bed? We'll find out. (laughs) But, uh, that ladies and gentlemen will conclude, um, this recap of, uh, night one of WrestleMania. We're going to take a little bit. We'll take a break here. And when we come back, we'll get to night two of WrestleMania here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. We shall return right after this. The stars moving, wind and cars Well, I guess I... 
Hello, and welcome back. Welcome back. To the Boochcast. Boochcast. During the break, we played the song Hollywood Swingin'. As we know, that's another one of the theme songs for WrestleMania because they are in Hollywood, California. And of course, if you've seen multiple TV shows where they use this, if you've seen Nip Tuck when they move from Miami to California, they use that bit. Or if you've seen Jonathan Aaron's Dancing Trombone Player, that's one of his signature songs that he loves to use. So we played it here for you guys on the Boochcast. We hope you enjoyed Hollywood Swingin'. And now, speaking of swinging, we're going to swing right into here, of course, uh, Sadly, Mr. Derek Showtime is not here because this is a late night recording we're doing. So hopefully we'll have him back on for future shows. So I want to take this opportunity to thank Derek Showtime for contributing and helping us out on the show. But we do still have the Broke Soul Ginger, Mr. Zach Scott here. Uh, and we still have, of course, singer-songwriter Mr. Desmond Dagenhart. And the male soap opera moment champion is here. Uh, so you'll... Thank you. Yes, he will get his chance to gloat on the next episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment, so tune in for that. But we do also want to give a shout-out to his son, a.k.a. my nephew, Dax, who is our prediction champion. Uh, sadly, he was not here to bask in the glory, but we did FaceTime him uh, and let him know that he is the prediction champion. Yeah, my little boy is super excited. We got some great pictures Shells took of the FaceTime, and we will make sure I will make sure we get them from Shells so that we can po- post them on the Instagram because we want to get those pictures. On his face when we told him was absolutely amazing. And of course, uh, Zach is still being a sore loser about the whole damn thing, which makes it even funnier for me. Like I, <laughs> yeah. the, the, his the disappointment on his face is worth me dropping the strap. That's all I'm going to say about that. And, uh, We're sitting here with pride and Daxon, and he's sitting there just absolutely wallowing in self-pity. He's like, this is not fair. We lost to a seven-year-old. He made better choices. I don't know what to do. It, that's the sad part. We research. We study, ladies and gentlemen. We take this very seriously. And Daxon chose Roman Reigns. It shows Roman Reigns, and we, <laughs> what are we gonna do? We get he, and, and that's just because. Well, I like Roman. Those were his ideas. Like he just said, "I know this guy. I don't know him. I know this guy. I don't know him." So I'm gonna go with the guys I know, and somehow he won this whole it's damn not thing. That I don't care. It's just fact. It's just highly fucking embarrassing. I feel peeved. Yes and no. <laughs> it's, it, okay, it is embarrassing, dude. It is a fucking television show. Yeah, and it's great because here's the thing. It's not like this is a charity thing where we're being nice. He out, flat out beat us. I think, I think a big thing with this, a big thing we need to realize with this, is that in the end, all right, it's not embarrassing because this is a scripted show, and this right here shows that WWE can still swerve the analysts. Yes, they can. Even... No matter what we do, they always find a way to swerve. And sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. But we'll get into more of that as we kick things off with the first official match of night two. And I'm surprised this one opened, but we had it. It was, of course, Brock Lesnar one-on-one with Omos. Uh, I thought this was going to be a squash. It actually turned out to be pretty okay. Omos being a... That is one big, gigantic man. Yes. Seven foot four. Now, sign up, gentlemen. If you see him and you just all of a sudden turn around and you see him and you just have to look up, how small and puny would you feel in human in size? Oh, completely. <laughs> I'm yes. fine. Up, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, that everybody thought that almost was going to win, but he didn't. Brock did, and man, I mean, he even Jimmy suplexed almost. I was like, yeah, okay, okay. I don't know why this match was here, but. Okay. Well, it, the match was here for a very simple reason. 
They knew they weren't putting Rock against uh, Brock against Bro- Roman. All right. They know that Brock is an attraction, right? Yeah. And Omos, even though he is not super great in the ring, he is an attraction because of his size. And this is the first time that Brock has been significantly smaller than anyone he's faced. Yeah. And they that was the whole selling point of this match is how is Brock going to over, how, handle being in a match with someone that much bigger than him because he's never been in it before. The closest he's come is with Big Show. And Big Show wasn't that much bigger than him. Yeah. And also, the thing about it is, like, it's, actually, it's an attraction match. Like, these matches are not designed to be, you know, arm drag, hip toss, leapfrog, that kind of thing. They're not necessarily technical matches, but they're matches people will still pay to see. And that's what this was about. Because obviously, they weren't going to pull the trigger with Lesnar and Lashley. Only Triple H for, and created the sit me down and please explain that to me. I'd love to hear that. But this is the last time I bring it up, I promise. I legitimately would rather have seen Bray Wyatt with Omos than Bray Wyatt with Lashley. Yeah. And even that got put to bed because... Somehow, somehow some, Wyatt got injured. Yeah, and we're still trying to figure out how. And I, wish just, I wish they would announce something because I want to know how long he's going to be injured. Exactly. Because that was the big issue there. But we still timed this match, I believe. What was the time, Zach? Four minutes and 55 seconds. But here's the thing. I'm looking on Wikipedia, and I'm proud to say it was also said four minutes and 55 seconds. Oh, yeah. So we timed it down to the wire, and we were in conjunction with the timekeeper. So I we took were, the under. We, we were like eight minutes over or under. I took the under. And, <laughs> and here's the thing. And, and I'll say this. Four minutes and 55 seconds, that's all they needed. Yeah, pretty much. It didn't yeah. need to go longer. No. It didn't need to do anything See, crazy. The great thing about Omos is to beat him, you just have to be able to endure the storm. And that's what Brock did. Omos isn't used to people getting in offense. He's used to, as soon as he gets his hands on you, it's over. And with Brock, that wasn't the case. And Brock endured the storm, got and got just a moment of, of Omos off his feet, and was able to throw him around. Once you get him suplexed a few times, Omos isn't used to that. And then one big F5, he wasn't getting up. Nope. And that's the thing. And we saw Lesnar on the defense, which is rare. Almost the entire match. Almost the entire match. Like, literally, he got dominated in this yeah, match. Never see that happen to Brock Lesnar, ever. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but... Yeah. Used normally, like the last time he got dominated like that, the match lasted 86 seconds. This was literally torture. Yeah. Yes, a monumental upset. <laughs> Two spears, a jackhammer, and Goldberg ended that thing. I remember that. I have, I think I called you up that night. And here's the thing. We were running on delay because Frank had bad internet. And, and I almost missed the match. I mean, yeah. I went to take a piss and then came back and the match was almost over. Yeah. I went. No, I literally went outside. I was hooping and my brother like, oh, yeah. coming. I was like, no, shut the fuck up right now. And I just goes, okay, and... Oh, I remember. It was almost as bad as uh, as Vinny miss, missing the uh, the Daniel Bryan and Sheamus match. Oh God, that's here's the embarrassing part. That. The embarrassing part was I wasn't even out of the room. I was looking down <laughs> because I had just come back with all the the food and stuff because I I was the one spending money because Stephen and Jerry happened to lose their jobs a few days before we had already booked to go. So he had no money to spend, and at the time, I had money, so I was able to fucking take care of everything. So when you go to stadiums, you know the cup holders are down here. So I didn't want to make sure I'm not accidentally spilling a drink. So I'm looking down, the bell's ringing, I'm like, all right. So I got my drink over here, I'm organizing everything, I hand Steven his drink, I go to look up, the bell rung, Seamus is the goddamn champion. I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) 
I'm like, what, what? I'm like, D- is there a glitch? Did somebody forget to play the music? And they're looking at me like, nah, dude, this thing just ended. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> 18 seconds? What the fuck? Because you're not expecting a world title match to last 18 seconds, let alone open the show. Because back then, it was unheard of for a world title match to open the show at a WrestleMania. It, that just did not happen. Like, nowadays, it's a little bit more common with two champions and everything. Except now that there's two nights, it might be a little bit different. But back then, you did not see a world title match open a show, even when there was two champions. So the fact that that was it, combined with 18 seconds, holy shit. But still, great match. Both men did very well, and nobody looked weak. Both of them got their shit in. Yes, but... And here's the thing. Lesnar wasn't able to do everything you would normally do because of his size. He was so big. But... He did what he needed to to overcome, and that made Lesnar look good despite the fact that he was dominated the entire match. Yes. So when he hit that F5 and the 1, 2, 3, it didn't look like Brock just decimated somebody. Brock survived. He survived a beating. And so even though, yes, Brock got the win, which obviously he needed because he'd been doing jobs the last couple times he'd been here, at the end of the day, Omos looks good in defeat still. Because it's like, yeah, okay, Brock got me with an F5. He's the veteran. He, he outsmarted me. But I beat his ass for four minutes. <laughs> and how many people can say they beat his ass for four minutes? Like, unless he's sitting in a room with Goldberg, that he ain't bragging to nobody else. <laughs> and on that note, we are going to move on. Oh, God, help us all. To the next match of the evening. This was the Women's Showcase Fatal 4-Way. We had Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus Natalia and Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Versus Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Benny, yes. Most of this match could have needed. What? More cowbell. <laughs> this was absolutely boring as shit. This was filler. This was boring. I did not enjoy this right here. I was checking Facebook emails and everything else. Okie dokie then. And uh, Ronda Rousey and Shannon Baser won in eight minutes and twenty-five seconds of our lives that we can never get back. <laughs> yes. Thank you for doing the gimmick. Coming into Mania, we firmly believed, all of us believed, that these quote-unquote showcase matches were going to be terrible. Yes. And then, last night with the men, we're like, okay, well, maybe they're going to do something with it, because the men put on a fucking clinic. They made it feel like they were actually trying to be the match of the night. It wasn't. And it, But, I mean, it was really hard to make that kind of a match match of the night to begin with. Yeah. But they put on an effort that made it feel like they were trying to, which they is got, something they- you lack in these matches. Yeah, they got close. Yeah. So when we kept, so with the women, we're like, okay, let's see what they got. And they had a few good spots. It was it, it wasn't an entire botch fest. It wasn't it was just nothing special. Uh it was like, oh, we're gonna get a few spots in. Uh, unlike Ricochet, who timed his flying move in the, in the match, they were definitely standing there waiting to hold them. It was not as pretty, it was not as fun to watch. The only truly good thing I have to say about this match is the right people won. Yes. Because obviously this needs to lead to a shot at the women's tag team titles. And I feel like since we didn't get the Trish heel turn I thought we were going to get last night, I got a firm belief. I'm, I'm honestly going to say at either Backlash or Saudi Arabia, one of the two, because uh, they're both in May, that's when they're going to face off for the belts. And I feel like that's when Trish is going to pull the heel turn, costing them the titles to then get Becky mad enough to want that match with Trish in August at SummerSlam. And Ronda and Shayna, they're going to use them to elevate these women's tag team belts. That way Ronda's out of the singles title picture for a while. 
I got to admit, I'm a little not happy that Shayna's out of the picture, but if Ron is going to be a tag champ, Shayna's the perfect person because of their history together in the UFC right. and being and then, the UFC horsewomen. And then when they do drop those tag team championships, they can have a, a fallout. They have a little back and forth. Shayna can get the win over Ronda, which puts her in contention for the women's title. Yes, and Ronda would definitely put her over. You know, okay. not that Ronda's had a problem with putting people over necessarily, but definitely for Shayna, she would right. do it. Right. It wouldn't. She, you wouldn't have to twist her arm to get her to put over Shayna. Ronda even said when she put over Liv Morgan, she said like, "If I'm gonna drop this title, it needs to be the most passionate person in the locker room." And, and at the time, it was Liv. Whether you liked her gimmick or not, she was the most passionate yes. person in the locker room. Yeah, not, but I agree. You said, well, you like her gimmick or not? She was the most passionate person in the locker room. And I said, not, and I agree. I, I definitely like her new gimmick better than her old gimmick. Yes, I will give that. I will give that. Uh, and, and, I was, and here's the thing. Is I was okay with her previous gimmick. I didn't. I liked it because it, it made people feel like they could relate to her. And that is an important thing that a lot of people are missing out on is the relatability. Yes. And that's what made her a good champion is because people could relate to her. Yeah. But her new gimmick is more fun, more exciting. Yes. And I think that I think that, that could lead to a, a better title run the next time. So that's the thing. We went into WrestleMania thinking this was going to be bad. We saw the men's match, thought, okay, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And they proved our original point right, basically. But Ron, but Ron, in the end, the right people won. And we got through the match. And here's, and here's the thing. And we were talking about this before we went on. Up until this point, there were no bad matches on this card. Right. There was the six-woman, like we said, the six-woman tag was boring at best. But it wasn't bad. It just wasn't interesting. But this was the first bad match of the whole entire WrestleMania. And it wasn't even terrible. It was just blah. Yeah. And and it wasn't a botch fest, but there were quite a few botches. I wouldn't even call them botches. It was just bad timing to where you could tell they were standing there to catch the people. Yes. Yeah, we, uh, if anybody pointed that out, too. I was, I was like, seriously, I was like, okay. Yeah. Was this was born as shit. I, was I, was like, saying, I love the flying, but I like the flying to look good. I like it to look good and believable. That's that's my big and, thing. And, and it was like Ricochet proved that it could be done right in his match. Ricochet impressed me. I never thought I'd say those words, but he oh, impressed here's me. Here's the big thing. I've said it before, and I said it last night specifically. I firmly believe that him jumping into the piles of people is more the people's fault than his. Okay, and I can give you that. I can give you that. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. This is for the Intercontinental Championship. Gunter defends the title against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. You know what we forgot, guys? We forgot that the, the pretty boy stopped by to hang out with us for a little bit. We forgot to put that in there, Manny. Oh, yes. Elvis did stop by. He was he, he made a cameo appearance. He was on Twitch with us for a while. He with us for a little bit. And uh, thank you for showing up, Elvis. Anyways, this match right here, guys, was fucking epic. Three gigantic big motherfuckers. Manny? Question. Yes. Was this a hoss fight? Oh, God. <laughs> it's a textbook hoss fight right here. This was the textbook definition of a hoss fight. This is like the three of us going to a bar. Remember we've been to before. I see these three big motherfuckers. I'd be like, okay, grab your drinks. We can sit in this corner right here and watch ourselves and have a merry good dinner. And, <laughs> dinner and, show. And, and whoever's got the most battery on their phone, film this some bitch. We're putting it on. We're, we're putting this on the internet. Yes. Yeah. Uh-oh. But anyways, these guys beat the shit out of each other. Uh, beginning of the match that they got rid uh, Seamus and um, Drew McIntyre got rid of Gunter and they just started beating the shit out of each other. And poor Drew McIntyre took 29 hits from him until he basically let him go. I was like, okay. And they realized that Seamus was over as shit in this match. Oh, yeah. 100% Seamus was over as shit. 
Sheamus should have won. Yes. I, I like Gunther. I love but I feel too. like, he, other than being able to say he has a win at WrestleMania on his record, there's nothing else that he gained from this match. This match would have been better if he had put someone over so that he could be built as a future world champion. He needs to get off the mid-card title run. That's yeah. where he needs to be. And, and so when people are like, why do you hate Gunther so much? Why do you think he should lose? I don't hate Gunther. I think that he's proven that he's good enough to be pushing for bigger titles. Exactly. And that's a misconception people have. Just because we were saying this person needs to drop a bell doesn't always mean we hate them. It just means either A, they're ready for the next level, or B, the, the runs... Run course. Yeah, the story's run its course, or the title run got stale. And sometimes that happens. So at some point, you need to bring a new champion in. And then when the time is right, they can circle back to the championship. There's no objections to that, so it's not always a hate thing. There's times where it is, but I won't lie, yeah. but... Most of the time, it's because the storyline ran its course, or the title run got stale. Right, and in this particular case, he's had the title for nine months. That's a great run with the IC title. Perfect. Okay, and and he's defended it against a lot of different people. It's you know he's had a lot of different styles. He's had great, great storylines. Uh, he's proven that he's top tier. And this particular triple threat, normally we don't talk, have a lot of great things to say about triple threat matches. This one here, if you like old school wrestling, this was this a phenomenal is, match. Yeah, this oh my god, yeah, it was perfect. Match. And my favorite part was, again, you talked about like when Drew took those yeah, 29 yeah, hits. Yeah, yeah. Then there was a moment where he's got Gunter, and he's doing the beats of the power, and Drew's responding with, so it's like, bang, chop, bang, chop. His like chest was like black and blue all over. Gunter took a beating. Everyone took a beating in this match. Like yeah, uh, Nobody got off easy. Brutal. This match was a brawl from start to finish, and it did everything it needed to do. The only quarrel I have is with the finish, and I'm not mad. Like I said, I could see him going to the next pay-per-view and dropping it somewhere else, but I just felt like this was a perfect time to make Sheamus Grand Slam champion. And then, of course, there was the powerbomb finish, which he basically just powerbombs both guys. I'm just glad he didn't stack the two on top of each other. I, oh, yeah. Thank God for that. He, if he, he, if he, it's, it's like, I feel like if, they, if somebody gets cocky and stacks them on, the person on top should kick out. Yeah. And it's like... That way, it just completely defeats. It's like, oh, if I hadn't been so cocky, I could have got the win. Yeah. That to me, that's better psychology. Yes. And if Gunter was gonna get the win, I'm glad that it was McIntyre who got pinned and not Sheamus. Oh, 100. So now Sheamus has motivation. It's like I didn't get beat. You, you did. You beat McIntyre. You didn't beat me. You didn't pin me. And of course, the best part was like I think there was like when he went, you know, McIntyre's going for the, going for the Claymore. Sheamus hit that brogue. We thought it was done. That would have been the per- been that should have been the finish. That would have been beautiful, uh, but you know it is what it is. I, I can't be mad. Like I said the match itself was phenomenal, and even though it's not, I don't. I feel like the wrong person won. It was still a great match, and Gunther still has enough people on the roster that he could still he can still defend that title a few more times. Yes, but he's he is it, like I said the options are getting low. Right. So, but it's not as bad as uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, we'll get to that. We we don't want, we don't want to jump ahead too no, much no, here. No, no, no spoilers, no spoilers. Instead, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, and of course, it's for the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair defends the title against Oscar. Uh, all right. I didn't really care for this. I really don't like any of the ladies really right now, except Bianca. Her uh, championship reigns got shot. But otherwise, it was a physical good match, and uh, of course, that uh, when Oscar tried to. Do, do the spray, I think there was a highlight where she ducked and Oscar was like, oh, crap. And then 
I was watching that. It was okay. Back and forth. KOD by Bianca. One, two, three. I did not want this to happen. I wanted Oscar to win, but I didn't have a choice but to go with her. But she's held on on for a year. And this is going to keep on getting more still and boring. Kind of like trying to listen to my biscuit. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> uh, see, I am a fan of both Oscar and Bianca Belair. But Bianca has been on top for a good while. And Oscar finally was getting booked to look dominant again for the first time in years. Oscar was dominant when she came into the main roster. And she was doing really well. And then once she took that loss, she just went nothing but downhill from there. And so when they, when she did this bit of a, a, a rehash of her old gimmick, or bring bring back that ruthlessness that she had before, and oh my god, the mind games of no matter what yeah, you do to her, her smiling games. the whole time. I guess. I love that smile, that sick twisted. It's like you can hurt her all you want. She's gonna enjoy every second of it. And to me. I love Asuka because whether you, I know you can't really understand her, but she got so much emotion, so much passion that you can feel it. Uh, she okay. into her gimmick pretty well. I love her and, mask. That mask was fucking cool. The masks, cool. the face paint, it was all great. It was good. And it, her, I love her style, the striking with the submissions. I, it, 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 she brings something to the table that no other woman in the division does. And, and like I said, I like Bianca Belair, but she's oh. been on top for too long. And it's time Bianca steps down for a minute. Yeah. It's not, it's not, once again, it's not me hating on Bianca. It's just, it's time. Because just like I was saying with, with uh, Gunther a minute ago, it, it eventually gets to a point if it's not her, then who? Exactly. And we're getting to that point again and again and again. And that's going to be a theme as we continue this. Uh, conversation exactly, uh, and I. Uh, but yeah, all in all, um, I haven't been. Um, I I haven't been enjoying much of the women's division in WWE, but this match was a fucking perfect match. The, even the finish, I wasn't happy with who won, but the way it happened was pretty. She had her going for that Oscar lock one more time, got her picked up, countered into the KOD. And it was just, it was pretty. It was a beautiful end. Yeah, and yeah, the match was surprisingly good. And I mentioned this on the Twitch, but I had to clarify because um I did not invoke the elite rule for this match. But I jokingly said this match was a bathroom break, but it was actually kind of funny because I legit had to go to the bathroom. So and I was like, well, I might as well go now because I'm not gonna want to go to the main event. But so I I was in the bathroom for most of it. But by the t- luckily by the time I came out. There was still some action going on, so I got to see a lot, a majority of it. And from what I saw, I was impressed. They delivered. They delivered. I, I, I will admit that. They delivered. It was a good match. And, you know, again, it was one of those matches where I wasn't going to be happy with who won regardless, but I did also enjoy the finish because Bianca Belair, again, showing her amazing strength in the match. And you don't see a lot of women in the women's division with that kind of strength. So, when you see that, it's impressive. So, of course, she hits that KOD, she gets the win, and then, of course, now becomes the question, who is left for her to face? Like, where is this going to go? Is she going to have any more challenges on Raw? Are her and Ripley just going to unify these damn things or something? Because I don't know. I'm looking at the Raw women's division, I'm looking at the SmackDown women's division, and Rhea's got some options because, you know, the title changed hands. Bianca's running out. 
there is one thing. It is possible that, let's say that Bray Wyatt's injury is really minor. He can come back uh, while recovering. As a valet, bringing Alexa Black back completely under his and Uncle Howdy's control. And then, when she makes that full transition, then using the supernatural powers to have her take the belt. At this point, that's the only thing they could do. Because you look at that division, what was left. Alexa should have took it. We all agreed that last oh, time yeah. they fought. Alexa should have taken it then. Asuka should have taken it tonight. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's one of those, you're running out of options. The women's division is nowhere near as deep as the men's. Yeah. And even and even in that division, they're running out of people, and it's uh, as deep as that is. So you can only imagine what's going on with the women. So they got to figure something out. And you know what it is is Triple H w likes these long title runs because it's something we haven't had in a long time. But at the same time, every title run cannot be a long title run, and eventually every title run has to end. Yeah, and eventually they get stale, which I think Triple H forgot. He was guilty of having long title runs, and they got stale pretty quick. It wasn't like Triple H was champion for X amount of time and the fans were happy. They weren't. Me in particular, I wasn't. But but I'm saying, like, long-term title reigns are good. But if every champion is, is champion for a year and a half, it gets her goddamn ridiculous. You gotta have some, like, a couple months here, a couple months there, a couple months here, a couple months there. And then maybe when you're ready to build a real top star, then you can maybe extend it for a period of time. But if you don't have a big pool of people to choose from... You can't have these long title reigns. Because once you run through everybody, you're basically reshuffling the deck. It gets to the point where you're going to have to bring in a part-timer because everybody else on your full-time roster has been beat to death. So, and then on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, which um, this was great and then took a turn and then was crazy. But um, as far as the record books are concerned, this is Snoop Dogg one-on-one -on -one against The Miz. Uh, no. We forgot something. Mm-hmm. Shane O'Mac. Yes. And basically, The Miz was talking about mad at Snoop Dogg because he said, you know, you booked me in a match last night. He goes, oh, oh you want me to do it again? <laughs> he's like, no, he's like, no. I don't want you to do it again. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, my bad. My, <laughs> my, he's not even full of an apology. No, I wasn't apologizing. I meant my bad. He points and Shane O'Mac comes out. And Shane comes out. And the crowd's going nuts. We haven't seen Shane since the Royal Rumble of last year. You know, which apparently he he booked part of the Royal Rumble, and apparently people hated his booking so much he was let go from the company, uh, which is crazy. But he comes back, he's having the match with Miz, which ironically is a rematch from WrestleMania 35 when they had the false count anywhere. Except this time, Shane's the babyface and Miz is the heel. Because last time, Miz was the babyface and, Sh and Shane was the heel. And Shane won at WrestleMania 35. So if they're like, it's happen again. All of a sudden, they're going for a move. All of a sudden, he does the leapfrog and his knee goes out from under him. Now we're trying to figure out, is this a shoot? Is this a work? What the hell just happened? Was this a botch? Something went wrong, but Shane twisted his knee. So Snoop Dogg just decks... Miz a couple times with a right hand, and then he takes his shades off, throws them into the crowd, does the people's elbow, one, two, three, Snoop Dogg wins the match, and it was funny. Yeah, it was enjoyable. It was Getting his ass kicked. It was, it was, uh, <coughs> it was uh, comedic as hell, and uh, hope Shane on Max knees okay. I'm like, eh, yeah. sucks. I enjoy Snoop getting a pinfall victory at WrestleMania. <laughs> I don't like the same thing, but it was on the Miz. So I don't, I I don't hate the Miz like Vinny does. I don't hate the Miz like Vinny does either. Uh, I'm sorry, but I hate the dude. I like him. I just see him as a good heel. He's a good heel. Oh, he, he is. Is he not? He's awesome at what he does. He's an he's okay face. He's a dick. He's I'm an like, okay face, but he is a really good. <coughs> heel. 
And then um, people are like, and you can see he had, he's married to Murray, she still looks smoking hot on half two beautiful children. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit, Vinny. Having a hot wife and kids doesn't make you, doesn't excuse you for being a piece of shit. He's not a piece of shit, he's just a dick. It's like, oh my god, he had a wife and he's kids. You know who else had a wife and kids? John Wayne over. Gacy, he had a wife and kids. Uh, he uh, also had, enough, enough. I'm just saying. No, I like that The Miz is willing to do these spots for WWE. Now you see, that's how you present that to me. <laughs> the, the Miz is willing to do anything WWE needs him to do. And that is why he is a first ballot Hall of Famer when they are ready to uh, put him there. I know he's going in. I won't like it, but I know he's going in. Now, uh, on that note, we will move on here to the next match of the evening. God, this is going to be a good one here, ladies and gentlemen. One of the matches we've been waiting for, the Hell in a Cell... Brood Edge versus the Demon Finn Balor. One thing that we were kind of disappointed, I'm not trying to start us and never go with that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys, go with you. That's, is this. Edge was supposed to rumor to come out with Gangrel. And Christian. Turned out to be disappointed, it didn't happen. But, otherwise than that, it was great. Also, it was at nighttime, Finn's battle entrance might make Dean Tan be a bit better. I think everybody agrees with me in this round. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're going to do these entrances. This is going to be I was like, Better power, you see the power a lot better. You can't see fucking fireworks in the middle of the day, people. Come on now. Use well, logical sense. The fireworks were fine, but you can't see the black light and the stuff like that. The yeah. stuff that makes these entrances special. Yeah. And to, to their credit, though, they shut the light. They did it the best they could. They shut off the lights. They tried to make it as dark as they could. It Unfortunately, it's terrible planning. Because also, keep in mind, they're in LA, you know, West Coast time. It's still sunny out there while. We can see darkness oh, yeah. here. They, they got a three-hour time difference from us. Exactly. So that that was bound to happen. And fixed the, the chairs, the tables. I mean, it was funny. Once again, Ed pulls out the table. And he's in the, the face pulls out the table, and he's the first fucking person to get through the foot through the table. I find that ironically funny. Well, yeah. And also, poor Ben Balor. Do we see a little bit of the juice? Do we see a little bit of the blood? They actually had a style that was like, no, nah, uh, nope. And they got, they went right back Think? to it. I think he just like, just yeah. probably whispering to the, he was probably saying, just put, put a fucking band-aid over it, fuckers. And then oh, wait, there, I got this. Make the kayfabe a little bit here. But <laughs> otherwise, the not solve. Just put a little solve on there. And oh, uh, they, they did the ladder right for once. I think Phil Ballard went off of it. Makes sense for him because he's that type of style of wrestling. But oh, it was, oh man, these two people... These two far down beat the shit out of each other. And then spear by Edge, one, two, three, which was ironically funny. I thought Baylor was going to win. And this is the point where I'm in last place. A seven-year-old has nine. Uh, this is pathetic. Well, Otherwise than that, it's okay. You are not in the running. Yeah, and also, he didn't have the nine yet. I felt like he could have gone longer. And I'm seeing a lot of complaints about it already on Facebook because that's what people do is they bitch. Yes. Um... Mainly because I think what it is, people are wondering why Edge is getting wins over younger guys. And I get that. I understand that, that viewpoint. But Edge needed this to complete the story. This was an end of the story. Balor needs to back off. At this point, there is no reason to continue this feud. Edge has officially taken the worst from the Judgment Day that they can offer. And it's time to separate. Yeah. Um, and I think they've done a good job of giving... The Judgment Day, a new focus with the uh, LWO. So it shouldn't be an issue for them to step away from the Edge problem. Exactly. And the thing is, and again, this is what people need to understand in addition to, it's one thing about a legend putting over a young guy. On paper, yeah, it's a good idea. 
but you also have to follow the story and keep in mind here. Edge is requesting this Hell in a Cell match for a reason. There's a reason behind this. Not just because he cost him an opportunity at the U.S. title. That's not even the part of it. You understand, this is a guy who, in an I quit match, said I quit because they were going to bash his wife in the head with a steel chair. So he says I quit to try to save his wife's life, and then they bash her head in with a chair. Then they get to the mixed tag to end it all, what they thought was going to end it all. And then Finn Balor decided, okay, we're not done. So Edge is like, all right, you say we're not done? Let's finish it in the side of the cell. And then they added the brood and the demon part to make this match different. Because at this point, everyone's sitting here going, why the hell? Even Edge is admitting, I don't have enough time left in my career. I've been wasting it with you guys. Basically saying what we've all been saying. You're wasting your time on this damn feud. You only have a few more bumps left on your bump card. And you're wasting it with these guys. When there's plenty of other dream matches we want to see. And keep in mind, the, the rivalry has been great. It definitely boosted the Judgment Day. Big time. Which is exactly what it needed to do. But the rivalry still needed to come to an end. And Finn taking this loss does not hurt the Judgment Day. It just ends the rivalry. It's like the same thing with Ray and Dominic. Like, yeah, on paper, would it have been great to see Dominic get a win? Yes, but he pushed his dad and pushed his dad and pushed his dad, yelled at his mom, threw a drink in his sister's face. Because of everything Ray went through for the whole year with Dominic, Ray had to get this win, especially if he's not retiring. So... It made sense story-wise for that to happen. Otherwise, Ray would have been, I'll use an old school phrase here, deader than Kelsey's nuts. Basically saying that you're you're buried and done. But either way, I also love this because, and this plays into something similar that, Zach, you and I talked about when we did Stand and Deliver. What? When we, had, when we talked about the unsanctioned match with Gargano and Grayson Waller. Sure. This match was violent, had weapons, uh, unintentional blood. In any other match on WrestleMania, did we see weapons at all? No. Austin Theory used a chain. Okay. Austin Theory used a chain, but there was no table, there was no kendo stick. No, no, it was a single spot. A single spot with a chain, which made sense because that was Cena's thing. So, outside of the chain, we saw none of that. Because they did the right thing. They put it all in one match, which is how you structure a card. If you're going to have a Hell in a Cell match and those guys are going to come out there using weapons, you either want no weapons in the other matches or reduce them or use something that's not going to be used in that match like Austin Theory using the chain. Okay, I'm going to use the chain so Edge and Balor are like, okay, we're not going to use the chain. He just did. Or, hey man, we're going to be using all these weapons in our match because we actually have a weapons skill stipulation match. Refrain from using these. Okay, that's how you structure it. Instead of having a match where... You see four matches in a row where everybody's going through tables and everybody's out on the floor and everybody's doing this. Okay. Then when the big moment comes, it's not as special. Yeah, we've had people. We, we did see people going through announce tables and stuff like that. But that that's that's another exception to the rule. Announce tables given. Oh, she announces. Oh, she uh, pressure table. Oh, she Spanish. Except there was ours. Last night, the, there wasn't the they were on the Spanish announce table, but it was the uh, main table that broke. Oh. Yeah. They put okay. they went through the main table. They were on they the Spanish announce table. They usually go that route anyway. Exactly. So that that tends to happen. So that's what also made it great. The fact that they put everything they had in there, and of course, the concerto was the perfect finish. Oh yeah, I was like, Bro, you, 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 you kicked out. That would've been bullshit. You point you pointed that up for the love of God. No, I will say this. Um, he definitely no sold that first chair shot. Completely no sold that first chair shot. Oh yeah. There was a no sell on that one, but 
Once he hit that concerto, that's what made it great because, again, it brought everything full circle. The revenge, like, you did this to my wife. Now I'm going to do this to you. It was a good setup because that no-sell at the beginning showed that the demon does make a difference with Finn Balor. Yes. But the concerto at the end proved that, in the end, he is still human. Yes. It was, good, it was a good storytelling. Well, we knew going in, the demon is harder to put down. So we knew when they brought in the brood and the demon, the selling was going to be at a minimum until something oh, big well, happened. i got to say one more thing. Hey, Wens. Hey, Wens, my friend. I told you he was bringing the demon. You voted for the demon. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes, Dez is very, as I said before, we're going to get into more of that on the male soap opera moment. It's not, it's not that I don't want him to gloat. I just don't want to skip. I just want you guys to tune in the male soap opera moment. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, give him a little, little snippet, a little snippet. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we are moving on to, oh man, the moment where we've been, ladies and gentlemen, we've been trying to maintain our composure throughout this show because we want to properly look at every single match. But I'd be lying if I said we didn't lose our minds. And I'm going to clarify this again so there's no misunderstandings because I had to explain to uh, Shells and Mike this when they came home. Um, I have no quarrels of handing the prediction title over to Dax. He's my nephew. I love him. He earned it outright. Again, this was not a participation trophy moment. He outright beat our asses. So I'm happily giving him this title. I am mad how this came about, though, and we're going to get to it. The undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defends the title against Cody Rhodes. Everything was peachy. Everything was dainty. The entrances were good from both fucking people. There were spears there. There were crossroads. Roman Reigns' bitch ass went through the announce table. I think it was the Spanish one, not ours. No, he, the once again, they were standing on the Spanish one, and then he back body dropped into the wall. Oh, okay. On to ours. Well, one, two nights in a row. And everything was peachy. It was wonderful. It was dandy. And then the ref got hit. First fuck up. And, and then... We knew that was going to happen. And then the fucking little pissant, whiny bitch-ass motherfuckers had to come out and do their thing. Thank you for uh, uh, Kevin Owens, same same to come save the day. And then, sorry, Sequoia, had to fuck everything up right at the edge where he was going to win thanks to do the Paul Heyman distracting the ref. And then the spear, Roman Reigns is still the fucking champ. Look, I have been one of the biggest Roman Reigns supporters since he's turned heel. Don't get me wrong, I backed him when he was a face saying I've seen a lot of growth in him. But when he turned heel... I've said it repeatedly. So the best character work that I have seen in years. Some of the best storylines I have seen in years. And I was one of the people, I jumped ship. I went to AEW. When TNA was starting to get big, I didn't jump ship. When Ring of Honor started getting a little traction, I didn't jump ship. Lucha Underground, I didn't jump ship. But it got to that point. AEW came out, I jumped ship. This title run, all the storylines in this last year, I was back with WWE. And Roman is a big part of that. But that being said, he's had the title for going on three years. Uh, don't be wrong. I can see a couple of scenarios of people who could potentially take the title from him. I can. I see a couple of them. There are, they, are, they exist. But this is the second time in this title run where they have had the perfect storyline and dropped the ball at the finish. They had it with 
when Edge went after it for the first time, ten years to the day from dropping that title. Ten years. To the day. Like, it couldn't have been done any better. That was fate. The stars aligning. It was beautiful. And not only did Edge not win, but they had to end up in a triple threat match that never needed to happen. Exactly. And to make them look even worse, Roman pinned them both stacked on top of each other. Yeah. Once again, I'm not mad at Roman. Roman was building his legacy. Whatever. Okay, fine. We move on. There were other options at that point. That was still early on in this run. But here we are, almost three years into this run. We finally have a perfect story. For as little time as Cody's been back since his injury, Cody did a damn good job making us believe in this story. Roman's storytelling, Paul Heyman's storytelling, and Cody Rhodes' storytelling. Absolutely phenomenal. Made me believe that Cody was actually going to do this. Because if not Cody, then who? If not Cody, then who? And I'll tell you what. Like I said, I, there are options. When Cody got the loss, we're like, okay, somebody going to make an appearance? No. Nobody's making an appearance? Oh, wait, wait, Solo standing there, raising his hand. He got up there. I'm sitting here watching, like, hit him with a Samoan spike. Come on. Because people are like, well, but, but he's only been here for, I don't care. Roman hasn't had won a match without his help. That is a legitimate thing. I can be like, motherfucker, you can't win without me. You ain't as good as me. That's a good rivalry. Solo turn on the bloodline and go one-on-one. And Solo turning on Roman could be a catalyst for the Usos to turn on Roman. Because that's their brother. Roman's their cousin. But Solo's their brother. Their baby brother. Yes. So that's another thing. And then when Roman beats Solo, because I love Solo, but he's not ready. He, yeah. We've, I think Cody made that abundantly clear. Right. I love Solo. It would have been a great rivalry, but he's not ready. When Solo lost, that is when Jey Uso comes back and brings a, and brings a storyline full circle. But Solo didn't turn on Roman. So if not Roman, if not Solo, if not, if not, uh, then who? And, and here's the thing is that there were other options, like, there were, there were a lot of uh, speculation that Big E could have made a return and they could have had the, the New Day come back. Fuck, Big E could have made an appearance and been, had a rivalry. Yeah, the pop that would have happened would have been absolutely amazing just to have him appear. Or hell, Bray Wyatt. Normally I'd say Bray doesn't have a reason to go after Roman, but if he still got the title, that's a reason. Even, even Bray being as strange as he is with his motives usually being questionable, a title is a reason to go after somebody. And I'm sitting here like, but we don't know when Bray's coming back. We don't know if Bray's coming back. And that's coming, uh, I, I'm, Bray is probably my favorite current star, but I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. I, I hate saying that, but I don't think he is. Exactly. So if not, so if not Cody, then who? The match was beautiful. Everything was set right. The interference at the right time was beautiful. Solo getting ejected. Perfect. It set the stage. The Usos coming in and Sammy and KO breaking that up. Perfect. With them being pulled away, hit two crossroads. Going up for the third crossroad. And then I saw it. I saw Paul Hammond climbing up them then. We, we, we all did. And I'm like, there's no reason for Paul to be there. Why is Paul doing that? And that's when Solo came back. Don't get me wrong. It legitimized the finish. But where does the story go from here? There's nothing left. The Rock ain't coming back. Let's be real here. He's just not. Yeah. 
I don't. You, people keep saying it. he's the Rock is not going to stop taking parts to put on a program at WWE. And and here's the thing, even if okay, and for the sake of argument, here's the thing. Let's say the Rock did come back. Let's just pretend I'm going to put Hollywood on hold and I'm going to come here and I'm going to have this match. With everybody that Roman has smashed and bashed and beaten and victimized and conquered, can you honestly say at this point you want him to beat The Rock too? The Rock would have to take the title. There's no that's one. Just, that's just it. That's the thing. If the, I would want The Rock to because that could be the end of the head of the table era. Yes, that's, that's I why, agree. That is why I would want The Rock to come back because he'd be like, motherfucker, I'm the head of the table. I've been feeding this family since but when you were in diapers. Yeah. Okay? That's what The Rock would say. That's yeah. what the, that's, that's all he would have to say. I made more money last year in movies than you made in your entire WWE career. If you think you're the head of this table, The Rock could have tore him down. And then when he beats him, then Roman takes his sabbatical. He goes away. The Rock puts on a six-month program of going through some people and he drops the belt to the right person yes who the right person is i don't know but at that point rock could lose to anybody because he hasn't gone through the entire goddamn roster yes and you and you find somebody's credible because at this point i'm looking at the roster and i'm being honest here and and because the key thing when you look at the roster is who the key thing to look for is not just a person you can pull out of the roster it's who's credible enough because when you got a reign that's this long, you can't have just some, I'm going to use the word, a random jabroni beat Roman Reigns at this point. Because you got to say, this is the guy who's beaten The Undertaker, who's beaten Triple H, who's beaten John Cena. Hell, Cena at SummerSlam could have had that 17th title run, beat Ric Flair's record, had the belt for a little while. Or even when he said, I'll take the belt till WrestleMania in Dallas, then go to Dallas and drop the belt. Yeah. Hold it till Dallas and drop it. There are people who I believe have had a bad leg with WWE who deserve it. Dolph Ziggler being one of them. But it would take almost a year to build his credibility back. Exactly. So, I mean, if they had been building Dolph for the last six months and he had a big run going, then I could say, okay, Dolph could be the one to take it. But he hadn't done anything with it. There are people like that. L.A. Knight. If they had been pushing him right since he came on, he could have been a potential person. Oh, yeah. But, he is, but and, and once again, I love Bray, but having him job to Bray was not, didn't do anyone any favors. It, it ended up being a bad decision in the long run. It was, a fun, it was a fun gimmick match. I will give it that. It gave. But it did nothing for LA Knight. And because LA, it was LA Knight's first real rivalry, it did nothing for Bray. Yeah. I mean, literally, like I said, you look at this roster, there's literally no one left. Maybe Sheamus. I mean, I brought his name up a few times just because of the fact that he's A, a badass, and B, his resume. And he has a faction behind him that can back him up. The Brawling Brutes can back him up and everything. But what are you going to do next? Call up Braun Breaker and make him do it? No way. Exactly. But I'm just saying, they're out of options. I mean, they could, 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 Rollins has lost to Roman so many, so much here recently, it's not worth it. Not Brock, not Seth, not Cody. Brock, he's already beaten multiple times. Lashley, he's beaten Lashley. 
Hell, even when you talk about Big E, he beat him at Survivor Series. Right, but I mean, but with him coming back, the momentum of his return would have been a nice wave to bring it in. Okay, yes, I can, I can see that. I can totally see that. That is a once in a lifetime you ride the wave. Yes. And it's a very specific thing. Um, and there are ways to get around it, but like I said, if Jimmy and Jay hadn't come in to help Roman in this match, I'd say Jay could do it. But once again, they're killing the seeds of dissension. The seeds of dissension are needed. Yes. And it was perfect because, like I said, when the Usos came in, they hit Cody with the one and done. And they thought, oh, this is over. Then Sammy and Kevin come out. What do they do? Stunner on Roman. Haluva kick. They're gone. That's a match reset. That resets everything because now Cody took a beating from the Usos. Roman took a beating from Kevin and Sammy. They're both on the ground. Roman kicked out of the pin, so it's not like it helped them at all. That was perfect. The three crossroads, everything. That could have been the perfect finish to end this. Cody gets the title to finish the story. They stole it from my dad in the garden. A Rhodes main event to WrestleMania and won. His father never got to do it. His brother never got to do it. Cody can tell that story. And people ask, like, well, what about what he's done in WWE? First of all, we already mentioned, the short time he's been in WWE, he's built himself up. But you also have to understand, it was the culmination of, this is a guy who went from stardust, realized they were never going to take that gimmick off him, and quit. He, he didn't wait for his contract to He quit. Left. Did the indies. Worked the outlaw mud shows. Built his name. Made more money. Yeah, went to Ring of Honor, became the Ring of Honor World Champion, went to Impact Wrestling, did the all-in show. And when he finally did come back to WWE, he, he wasn't just a popularity. It wasn't just his resume that was better. He was bigger, physically bigger. Better wrestler, better talker, better everything. He did everything that people say. Like people like Al Snow, when they do rumors about, it's not always bad when guys get released because A, you can always come back because everybody does. Oh, yeah. It's never a shut door. But B... If you have the opportunity when you go, if WWE that releases you, or you decide to ask for your release, you can go out on the indies, learn the stuff that you need to learn, that you need yeah. to get better at, and you can come back brand new, a different product, which is what he did. He left the Stardust and came back the American Nightmare. And Cody was very good about never burning a bridge. Yeah, although a lot of people felt like him smashing the throne with the sledgehammer was that, but even Cody said Triple H popped at that. When he never he, stopped talking to Trips. Yeah, he <laughs> he actually texted him congratulations when he won the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight title. Keep, and he knew he was watching because, keep in mind, it's a Ring of Honor show on a WrestleMania weekend. That means it was like 1 in the morning by the time this show ends because they go late into the night. And I learned this from doing the Game Changer show <laughs> with Buff. They go late into the night, like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And so he's celebrating in the back with the guys I don't like, but they're celebrating. And he gets a text, congrats, and it was Triple H. So he never stopped talking to Triple H. That dialogue never ended because when he left, he quit, but he did it. The, he did it professionally. He didn't say fuck he said, you. Look, I'm not happy with where this is going. I don't think that you guys need me. Let me go. Let me do my own thing for a while. And they gave it to him, and they, and it was all business. There was never any personal animosity. And the, apparently, Triple H got a kick out of the throne thing, you know. And they were doing that to kind of establish that. We're going to go and compete and everything. But Cody never once badmouthed the WWE. Never once tried. Went out of the his opposite. He, he went out of his way to say that there's no hard feelings here. They've got the Rose name. When it gets up, I will, I'll try to get it back. But it's business. He was very willing to work with them on everything. Yeah. Even when he was in a competing company. And that's a key thing. And when I, when I worked at HVMA, my boss taught me this. 
that, and I've, I've seen it happen in wrestling, I've seen it happen in life, is that when you're working with somebody, you separate the business from the personal. Some people are able to do that. Some people aren't. Like, that's why, like, Bubba Ray, when he was being interviewed one night, he was talking about how, you know, people heard there was a, that you and Devon aren't talking anymore. He goes, I just talked to him yesterday. What are you talking about? He's like, is there any chance the Dudes are going to reunite? He goes, probably not because Devon's not in the right physical condition. And he and I talked about this. And he said, well, he talked about how he has a school over here and you have a school over here. He goes, yeah, because I moved. That's why I'm opening a different school. But Devon and I talked about this. He said, we've never had any heat. We've never had any animosity. Every decision we, when I told, I said I wasn't going to re-sign with WWE, and he stated as a producer, it was all business. I had no hatred towards WWE, and I was fine with Devon doing his own thing. You know, we get together for autograph signings, and we're cool. Like, every, even when Bubba Ray said, any issues he had, he always said it was just business. We disagreed on business, but there was never any personal fuck you to anybody. And they separated that. Because sometimes, you know, hey, there's times when someone might go, hey, I, you know, Triple H might get along with somebody. He might think this guy's great. But business-wise, if you're not drawing and you're not producing, he's going to release you. Like, we can be friends backstage. We can do whatever we want. But if you ain't making me money, I can't, ha- I can't be wasting money on you. Exactly. And that's going to happen. And some people, you know, take that as an okay. They leave and they go, I'm going to go over here. Not because I hate you, because I'm going to prove you wrong. Instead of sitting here and saying, or, fuck, if, or I might learn something new. Or, or I'm going to find out you're right and fix whatever's wrong with me. And that's why you see, and I, you notice a lot of, a lot of some, that's why a lot of wrestlers, they expect to bash WWE, don't always do it. Or they did, but then they realize later, yeah, they were kind of right. I wasn't ready. But now I am. And that's where Cody was. Cody yeah. was ready. That's the difference between, like, I would say, it, 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 CM Punk did a lot of bashing in WWE. But he was very careful to bash very specific things. And he would say, these people were fucking great. I loved working with these people. I loved doing this, this, and this. It was this situation, this situation. He would call out specific aspects. Yeah. Was, it, it was one of those, yeah, you, he was burning bridges with some of the top guys, with some of the top things. But he was also very careful to say, look, but like John Cena, I, I did great job. I, we did I had great matches. We worked well together. Yeah. They might not have gotten along great backstage as people, you know, they might have not have been best friends, but they did great work together and they had great chemistry and they were willing to do that. Yeah. And, and he, and he, he said, he's like, I, he loved working with John for that very reason. One of the best guys he's ever worked with. Yeah. And, and, and he was able to separate the business from, from personal. Yeah. Like, like even when he got mad about the fact, like some people said, like, you know, you know, I'm selling more merch than John Cena. It's like, that wasn't a knock on John Cena. That was just me saying my merch sales are outnumbering this. That's why I belong in this spot. But I, but I, no, at no point did he ever say, fuck you, John. Hell, here's what people forget. Even when he dropped the pipe bomb, the infamous pipe bomb that everybody loves talking about, the first words out of his mouth, I don't hate you, John. I actually like you more than most of the people in the back. I just hate the idea that you're the best because I'm the best in the world. That's his opening statement before he says idiotic daughter and doofus son-in-law he and I'm not on your very program. specific people. He never said a bad word about John. Th- yeah, that's literally the opening <laughs> statement. So nowhere in there is CM Punk on the fuck John Cena bandwagon. But because the Punk fans didn't like him, they felt like he was speaking against John on their behalf. And it's like, no. <laughs> I, I I I am not but over here. He understands. He understands the business. He knows why John was in the position he was in. Yes, it, it wasn't because John was politicking. It's because Vince saw money in John. Vince saw money in anybody who looked like John. Yes, <laughs> and also here's the thing, and this is the thing about top guys in general. 
a lot of times, unless they have a creative control clause in their contract, which in WWE, with the exception of Bret Hart, I don't know anybody else that had that in their contract. Um, but the thing is this. Uh, from what I understand, a big part of Bray Wyatt coming back was creative control. Okay, so he's okay. He has that too. Okay, it, but it's 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 more like character. Le- it's on a level character character stuff. Not like he's not booking. He's not on the booking committee. But he, his character work is all his. He wants he wants control of his character, not necessarily about his hand going up or down. Right, makes sense. So, but there are some people that if you're a top guy, you're allowed to pitch ideas, or you can say no to something if you got something better. Like, and like Triple H has said that he loves working with Bray for pitching ideas because he's the, the interview I saw. The best it was one of the best things he said. It was like Bray's mind is like a tornado. Yeah, I remember him said that. It's like it's like you come up with it's, like a, it's just a, a, a destructive path of creative ideas. He just needs someone to guide him the right way. Yes, and, and that's so he loves working with Bray creatively. Yeah, and the thing is, is that so they and they always talk about like you could pitch an idea or say I'm, I don't really like this idea. I feel like we should go this way. And if Vince likes your idea, he'll run with it. But if he looks you in the eye and tells you. You're doing, no, this is where we're going, and you're going to do this. You can pout like Shawn Michaels, or but even when Shawn Michaels would storm out and pout, he did the job. He still did the job. He still went out there and did what Vince told him to do. If Vince even put his foot down. Undertaker was back there ready to whoop his ass. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I love the fact he finally confirmed that story. Because Shawn was saying it wasn't true. But we found out later the reason Shawn said it wasn't true is because Taker... Told him it wasn't true because they had already buried the hatchet. He didn't want to start in a fight, so he went, "Nah, that, that was all a bunch of BS." But then he admits it on Austin's podcast because everybody, because Cornette was saying it was true because he was there at the grill position where Taker sat there with his fist taped up. Then as soon as shot, as soon as as soon as there was thunder, one, two, three, he took the tape off, and went and changed. They wanted to make sure business was being done because they saw what happened to Brett, and they didn't want to repeat because Sean was, you know, not the Sean we know today. But anyway, my point is. That's the difference. Like, they, like, like, even Stone Cold a few times. He even like so, said sometimes I didn't like an idea, and Vince would go, "Do you have a better one?" And sometimes he did, and most of the time he didn't, because Austin didn't have that booking mind. So right. if you don't yeah, have a better, Bray, Bray could have thrown some shit at. Him. Yeah, because that's what they're gonna. The thing is, Vince didn't have that belief in Bray. Exactly. Triple H does. Yes. And I think that is a great thing. It could be a great thing for Bray if they can get him on the right track. Yes. But the booking has to be right. You can't be booking him with Bobby Lashley for no goddamn reason. Especially when no one's asking for that match. Yeah, it's like all that would be is just feeding Bobby Lashley to him. Yeah. And there's no reason for it. Absolutely. And, and, that, uh, and once again, that's coming from, he's like my favorite guy on the roster right now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right. So um, before we officially wrap this up, Zach, any final thoughts on WrestleMania? First night was a lot better than the second night. All right. But otherwise, the matter was good. Dez, any final thoughts? Don't believe the hate. It's very simple. The, the matches were phenomenal, other than a couple a couple of issues, but nothing was terrible. The biggest, the only issues we have here is we're looking to the future and what is next. That's the biggest issue here. Yes. This match was the, even the match that we're compl- spent most time complaining about was a phenomenal match. It was. It was beautiful. Everything about it was right, and if it had been done six months ago, we would be applauding it. The only complaint we had is where did it go next? Yes, and there's no indication on where it's going to go next. So right now, we're in limbo. 
we're in limbo and we shouldn't be. We should be celebrating a new champion and while at the same time applauding Roman for the 940-something days he was spending as champion. So uh, unless unless there's a magic trick up their sleeve that we don't know about, like I said, it was great till the finish. And that's all we have to say. But overall, this was a great WrestleMania, one of the best we've had in a long time because only one match was like horrible. The rest were like great, aside from the main event that had a bad finish. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up night two, but also officially WrestleMania 39. Zach, thanks so much for uh, taking time basically to join us. We'll see you next time. I'll see you soon for NXT. And Dez, Thanks for your thanks for your cameo appearance, man. Your return. We're really glad to have you back on for this show. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna have to work on my promo against Wens because <laughs> the champ is here. Yes, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Anchor, Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast. and iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Pick up Facebook. Yes, uh, you can find Desmond on Facebook, facebook.com slash Desmond Dagenhart. Check out all of his music, all of his great songs. But still, check him out, facebook.com slash Desmond Dagenhart. Check out his music. And, of course, uh, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. Uh, also, uh, you can check out the male soap opera moment on there as well to see the predictions we made. Uh, uh, find out in advance who was right, who was wrong, although we already told you Dez is the champ. But if you want to see what Wenz's predictions were to see if he even had a fighting chance, uh, check it out. Um, and, of course, check out our recap of WrestleMania with him where Dez will do a lot more celebrating. And also make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Check out all of our Dark Side episodes. And like I said before, once I get the text issue fixed, we'll have the Rise of Rush Limbaugh episode dropping. I just got to get the text stuff fixed before I can drop that. But in the meantime, check out all the other episodes. And of course, follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do the live wrestling watch parties. The next one will be Saturday, August 5th for WWE SummerSlam. So join us for the biggest party of the summer. And of course... We have a live D&D show coming whenever, a Boochcast booking battle, and a special project in the works. Also, uh, you guys can support the Boochcast. Go to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. Our second level is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know some people out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99, $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WB Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since all the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. It's just sitting in your bank account. So take that $9.99, you bring it over here. We got better content in the network, and we're dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise through donations goes back into the show in some capacity. We use it to upgrade the equipment, bring in the bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes it'll be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over after everything's been taken care of, the rest goes towards uh, Zach's ramen noodles to keep him fed and, of course, trying to get him laid, which 
God help us, we're still trying. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>